Awesome. Okay. I'd like to convene the December 6, 2021 Open Government Commission meeting. Uh, Madam Clerk, can you take a roll call, please? Commissioner Chen. Present. Lopolato. Present. Montgomery. Present. Reed. I see you unmuted, Commissioner Reed. Can, are you able to talk? She has a hand up now. I see. Oh no, that was my. Okay. Nope. Looks like you're present. Has a hand. <laughs> but can you talk? Can we hear you? I don't know. If we we can see your hand up, and you're you're unmuted, so you should be able to speak. Oh, okay. I think I I think I've got it now. Um, yeah, you're unmuted. Perfect. Yes, we hear you. Okay. Chair Telos. Okay. Present. I present. Thank you. Okay. Um, I guess this brings us to a non-agenda public comment. Um, do we have any speakers? We have one, um, and the speaker is anonymous. Okay. And you're you're live. You can speak. It looks like they're unmuted, but. Yeah, it looks unmuted and I do see a hand up. I think that's the same thing that happened to Commissioner Reed. So maybe we'll just give it about 30 seconds and maybe it'll, it'll start working. Anonymous, anonymous, are, are you running the most current version of Zoom? Because sometimes if people don't have the most current version of Zoom, they run into problems too. So, but it looks like they're unmuted, which is usually a problem. Okay. I don't have any thoughts on how to fix this. I'm, I'm, I'm um, at a, a loss. Um, <clears throat> yeah, maybe we could. Um, maybe they could call in. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe they can type their question in the chat. Is there a chat box? No, nope, chat is chat disabled. Box. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, nope, that's all I had. Thought though. Um, but they could also um, hang up and call in. Um, the, the phone number is 669-900-9128. And then the Zoom meeting ID is 883-1980-1572. And um, maybe calling in would work better because I, I, don't, I don't have any thoughts of why they would be unmuted yet not able to speak. Yeah. Um, Let us try one more thing. Let's try removing them and bringing them back in and see if maybe it okay. does something different. I don't know. Worth a try, right? Okay. They are muted now. So if we could have them unmute, maybe that will work. Okay, I see the icon is being unmuted now. Um, I still do not hear anything. 
Well, Anonymous, would you like to try calling in <coughs> to the meeting and we'll try to get you in that way? They've lowered their hand, so um, I think maybe they'll try that. Okay. Um, should we go on to the next item as they can just take that, field them? Sure. In? Yeah. Okay, so brings us to complaint hearings. Um, 3A, hearing on Sunshine Ordinance complaint filed on October 26, 2021. So I guess we start off by the complainant's opening statement and presentation of facts. Correct. Good evening. Peace be with you all. Good evening. Uh, so, Chair Teos, uh, good to see you and the rest of the commission again. Um, I'm assuming I should just uh, share my complaint and my concerns. Yeah, and Madam Clerk, do we have a clock on this? Yes, we do. Cool. It looks like I can share my screen too. So I'm going to do that. So thank you all for the opportunity to uh, share my complaint. And I think just exhibited with that discussion you just had about uh, letting anonymous speak, it just speaks to y'all commitment to enabling the public to participate. I would prefer not to be here um, taking your time away from the important work that you also do. But sometimes it seems as if uh, filing complaint is uh, the only way to get certain responses uh, from the city. So today I'll be talking about my complaint against the city, particularly the city attorney's office related to my Public Records Act request uh, from uh, what is now about over six months ago. But first I wanna start with something from the California Public Records Act. And this is just a segment of um, part of the intention. And it says, mindful of the right of individuals to privacy, it finds and declares that access to information concerning the conduct of the people's business is a fundamental and necessary right of every person in this state. So before I continue, just a quick disclaimer, these are not those top-notch slides, uh, slides you'd expect from um, Rashid, but this is what I'm using to give you a visual aid to go along with me to understand my complaint. And of course you have all the documents that were shared. I even made up a little title. It's called Next Door, Next Request, and Next Time. And it's really about trying to figure out what's gonna happen next time when there's a complaint. Will the city attorney's office provide documents or will they delay or uh, obstruct? And in this instance, actually take accountability, take responsibility for failing to respond uh, for nearly six months, or as they pointed out, five months and 22 days. Uh, and only after I responded, actually. So it took about five months and I think 25 days. 
So there's really two issues in my complaint. Uh, first is the lack of a timely response to my Public Records Act request. And then second with that was a refusal to provide the documents. And you might say an initial refusal because on, I think now two instances, they have attempted to provide the documents, but that's not what happened initially. So first, just to address the lack of a timely response, um, just again, to the California Public Records Act, um, what the state law says is that each agency upon a request for a copy of records shall within 10 days from receipt of the request determine whether the request in whole or in part seeks copies of disclosable public records in the possession of the agency and shall promptly notify the person making the request of the determination and the reasons thereof. To be clear, it does not state they have to give the records within 10 days, just responding and saying, we have it, we don't have it, someone else has it, we need to communicate with them, 10 days. That did not happen in this case. Just to give a little bit more from the Public Records Act, it also states when a member of the public requests to inspect the public record or obtain a copy of a public record, the public agency in order to assist the member of the public make a focused and effective request that reasonably describes an identifiable record or records shall do all of the following to the extent reasonable under the circumstances. And you can look under 6253 um, one and it uh, particularly subsection A, and it describes all of these other actions an agency can do if they don't understand what's being asked so they can clarify to identify an identifiable record. Public agencies have an advantage. They know what they have and what forms they have it in oftentimes, but us members of the public, we don't have, we're not privy to that information. And so the city is supposed to first respond and assist a requester with getting information. But that's not what happened. Instead, there was no response for over five months and 25 days. And it required the requester to follow up and ask for the documents. At that time, I was informed that there was a mistake, which is an understandable mistake. However, I was also directed to contact the conglomerate next door. And this is a refusal to give public documents. And you all can look at the 2017 Supreme Court and know that public records, even if it's an official and they're doing official business on quote unquote personal accounts, it is still a disclosable public record. And so this is some of the activity uh, that's central to this initial request where we have a city council member utilizing the platform next door to share information on a thread about crime and vandalism about a community survey on policing and is encouraging people to participate and then discussing perhaps critiquing the survey or the process to select the committee, but clearly engaged in the people's business. However, this information is said not to be a disclosable public record. However, the city has since on two instances shared some things. First, the things that were on the city's next door account that was quote unquote discovered. Um, and they also 
uh, today forward me some screenshots that was collected by Alameda Anonymous. And so I appreciate them disclosing that information. However, I wish that it just happened initially instead of this pattern, which I think we've seen in a few instances where the initial response is not to provide assistance, but to obstruct members of the public. And so I just wanna end this presentation with a quote from um, some community members who were on this thread. And if you look at this third one here, um, this person, Carmen Davis says, communication with public officials are always subject to public record act requests. And not only would the Supreme Court of California agree, but Rashid does too. And I hope all of you commissioners do as well. Thank you. Okay, now we have the respondents opening statement presentation of facts for 10 minutes. Good evening, can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Excellent. Good evening, Chair Chilos, honorable members of the Open Government Commission. I wanted to um, take uh, the city's allotted time to do a few things. First, I just, I know you guys have our briefing and so I don't wanna belabor that. I know you've read it and, and, and thought about it, but I do wanna sort of hit the high points. Oops, let me do a quick I, time out there. Um, I don't sure. see the clock moving, Madam Clerk. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries. Thank you. So as I mentioned, I want to hit the high points of the city's brief. I also want to um, provide some counterpoints to the reply. You might remember that the city um, prepared an, uh, a position statement and the complainant was given an opportunity to prepare his reply. In addition to that, um, I believe he supplemented it. So I wanted to address some of those points. And then finally, if I may, I'd like to address some of the points made in his opening presentation. First, um, I want to change the order of our brief a little bit because I think the critical aspect of this case um, involves compliance. You know, the city complied with the, um, the letter of the law as set forth in the case that we cited in our brief at length. That's the Ted Smith case involving the city of San Jose, uh, emails and text messages of council members. What we did, what we did in this case, and I wanna emphasize, is we did what the court suggested and dictated that you should do when you receive a request for social media content, excuse me, not social media content, but content on personal devices. Now, what the court says there is you should first make the custodian of records aware of the records request, and then you should make the request. And that's precisely what we did when the request came in, I wanna say within the hour, it was provided to um, the custodian of records here, council member, Herrera Spencer. 
And then we also um, uh, made a request for the records. Now, um, the next point is I wanna make is that any delay was caused by miscommunication. And I believe the complainant alluded to that in his, both in his presentation and then also in his reply where he states that, you know, the city just had kind of explained the issue that there was a miscommunication, you know, he would have moved on. And that's precisely what we did. However, we, we stated that there was a miscommunication about who was to respond to the request. Yet here we are. But I also want to state that it's the city's sincere uh, position that this request was made, made prior to next request, which is the platform the city has acquired to process these records requests. And it is, it is infinitely better in terms of process and reminding uh, folks who need to work on these requests and assigning a person responsible for the request. So we believe with the implementation of the next request platform, uh, many of these instances would be reduced in number. The other point I wanna make is that the law is not clear here. While we stated that we cited the, the most salient and relevant case, the one that's binding, that's the Ted Smith case. That case, you might know that it actually uh, involved text messages and emails. We've, we believe that social media content is just different. Um, and because we don't, and we're not aware of, I should say, a case, a binding case that deals with social media content, um, that consideration should be taken into account. But what is stated in the California Supreme Court's opinion in the Ted Smith case is that when courts are considering records requests like this one, that it cannot be ignored. What cannot be ignored is the constitutional rights of the custodian of records. They do mention that in the case and I believe we cite it. And here the case, uh, excuse me, the, the, the fundamental rights that we're talking about are, are core fundamental rights. I mean, they're absolutely front and center. We're talking about the first amendment, the right to free association. Now in the Ted Smith case, the California Supreme Court was not able to weigh that, even though they cited that as a consideration. And that's something that we believe that this commission should consider and keep in mind. Now I'd like to turn to our counterpoints to the reply by the complainant. In his materials for uh, first, he talks about a continuing violation. Now the city you might recall has raised the issue of timeliness and a continuing violation is, I guess the way I would frame it is that it's sort of a defense that you should sort of ignore the timeliness issue because the city's violation is a continuing one. Now, during my research, I wasn't able to identify a case involving the Public Records Act, but I believe that this commission should consider analogous cases. And in the FOIA context, the city was able to identify a treatise that does explain that there is a limitations period in the FOIA context. It's actually six years. And in that treatise, it states that judicially created exceptions to the statute of limitations should not be applied to toll or stop the limitations period. In other words, the continuing violation doctrine doesn't apply in the FOIA context. And I'm happy to provide that case law 
that the convention finds that to be useful. The other point that the complainant makes is this idea of precedent. Now, he states and identifies two quote unquote precedent. I believe it's Molly Watkins case and then also the ARPD reforms Gmail case. First of all, those aren't legal precedent and there is no um, legal authority that the complainant cites that decisions made um, when processing records requests constitute precedent. And the reason why precedent matters is there's legal doctrine about precedent that you should stand by the decisions you've made in the past. But I don't believe these are legal precedent. Um, and even if they were precedent, they actually support the city's position because in each of those instances, we did there what we did here, which is we made the custodian of records aware of the request and we made a request and we produced any documents we believe was responsive and that we were provided. The final point that, the, uh, that I'd like to address that the complainant made was this idea of a glaring omission. I believe he tries to paint the city as omitting a key document. The document in question is a next door post by council member Herrera Spencer that was actually produced to the city in an email. Now, had the requester made an e a, a request for emails, that document would have turned up. But because he was actually looking for social media content, it didn't come up, which is why it's not a glaring omission. Next, um, what's not clear to me, at least, is that what remedy the uh, requester is asking for. Um, he's alleging, for example, that we, and I, I, I'm not gonna hit too much on the um, statute of limitations, but he says that we failed to produce. We simply just didn't produce a record. And what we should have done is actually gone to next door to request it. Now, if that's the remedy, then I would say that it's futile because as we cited in our position paper, the membership agreement, which governs all content on the Nextdoor platform, states that the member is the sole owner of the social media content with a royalty-free license to Nextdoor and no one else. So had we actually done, if that's the remedy, had we actually done that, we would have been denied or just simply ignored. But what's most important is that the California Supreme Court doesn't actually require us to do that. It doesn't require us to go to the platform and request the records. And as I mentioned, it would have been futile anyway because of the membership agreement. And it may have been an invasion of privacy. I wanna bring back a citation that the requester made in his presentation, that's government code section 6250, where in the, um, in the, in the sort of uh, subordinate clause, he talks about privacy. So privacy is a concern. And that's really, really important here. Um, the other point I wanna make is that as mentioned by the requester, the complainant here, we did produce records and he said that, you know, I wish this would have come sooner and we do too. We actually received it today. Within minutes, we sent it to him. So in that sense, I believe this, um, this complaint is actually moot now that it's been produced to him. 
Um, let me just take a, a moment to just address one other point, which is, again, we didn't refuse to produce the records to him. We simply produced what we had. And with that, that time. I yield. Okay. Yes. Now we bring back the complainant um, to reply to the respondent's presentation of facts. There we go. Greetings again. So when you look at the response from the city attorney's office to my complaint, if when you read it, there is language that suggests it was my responsibility to follow up on my request that they failed to respond to. I waited five months and however many days and I sent an email on a Saturday, you know, for those that are not being paid to be here uh, right now, you know, sometimes we do some things on weekends and it's, it's just unfortunate to see, you know, y'all go out like that. Like, I, again, my, I think the main point is about just taking accountability. I made a request. The law says respond within 10 days. That did not happen. And so instead of both acknowledging that or just once I responded uh, or I, re I followed up, you know, sharing the information, there was a go to next door. And so, you know, the um, I'm the complainant requester. The, uh, the city's position was that they did respond. They did reach out to the custodian of records. But when was that? Was that before I filed a complaint or was it actually after? And so, again, this is what I'm saying. A person should not have to file a complaint to get a response to a Public Records Act request. That's not a good practice. It's time consuming and unnecessary. Secondarily, um, about this, the point of the violation. So is a person really supposed to you know, file a Public Records Act request every single day for 10 days, wait for the city response. And then when that doesn't happen, Make sure you're on top of that next 15 days so you can file a complaint. The fact is you never responded to my request until, or yeah, responded until October. And so all through that time, you still hadn't responded. And so there was definitely uh, not 15 days between my follow-up and the complaint. So when I, I speak about precedent, there are a number of different ways you can think about that conceptually. And I'm not thinking about a legal precedent. Again, I'm speaking about a consistent pattern of obstructing people who are trying to get records. And there's a couple of different directions of precedent. So first, in 2019, when I filed my complaint for the city, similarly not responding to my Public Records Act request under uh, AB 1421, 
It was more than 10 days. But this little technicality argument that's being made was not being made then. And so this is just an example of, again, not addressing the actual issue and trying to find some technicality so this pattern that does exist is not put on record. So next, in addition to what I'm saying precedent, yes, the city has provided text message of officials as well as uh, other emails. Again, my emails were requested. In fact, the request for my emails is what reminded me that I had a Public Records Act request the city didn't respond to. That's why I waited five months and 22 days and responded on a weekend because I initially instantly responded to the Public Act request for my records. But when did you request that from the custodian of records? And what were their responses? So instead of, again, addressing the issue, I think what the city um, has unfortunately done here is try to put it on people of the public to be able to stay on, to have to stay on top of them. And in this instance, coming forward with a complaint. And so again, just to that last point, um, the reason, the intention of filing a complaint and whether or not it's moot at this point, because I have received some documentation. Again, the documentation came from whoever is uh, on top of screenshots and doing screenshots of, uh, you know, our city council member that's on next door. This was not something that the city actually got from the city council member. And so I see that also as problematic, but it may be slightly germane to this instance. So again, the two main issues, did the city respond within 10 days? No. Did they provide the documentation before a complaint was filed? No. Members of the public should not have to file complaints with the Open Government Commission under the Sunshine Ordinance to get the city to comply with the law. Thank you all. Peace. Okay, now it's time for <coughs> commissioners if they have any questions of either of the parties or witnesses. Um, so commissioners, do we have any questions? see Commissioner Lopalata with a hand up. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I actually have quite a few questions for one, for one of the parties. So we might wanna pause and bounce around and let um, others take a turn if other folks have questions. One question I have um, actually initially for the Chief Assistant City Attorney is uh, as we, before going into questions, as we look at whether a violation occurred, you know, for example, under claim number two here, should we be considering the documents produced at the time a complaint was made or the documents produced by the time a complaint reaches us on the hearing date? Are there parameters around that? Because that might impact some of the questions I asked. Um, so just to understand, um, Commissioner Lopalata, are you asking whether or not the um, two uh, alleged violations can be considered separately in terms of the statute of limitations argument? Uh, no, uh, though I think that's an interesting question. Um, I'm curious about when we think about whether a violation occurred in terms of a perhaps a refusal to provide records, we should be looking, I assume, at the date the complaint was filed and not the date that it, like, there would be a violation which would now be moot if it's been cured by the time it comes to hearing. Is that, am I understanding that correctly or? 
I think, I think I, I see, I apologize initially. I, I understand your question now. Um, I, I think it's up, it's um, up to the commission's discretion. Um, I think it's a factor to, to weigh as far as whether or not there was a technical violation that has now been cured versus there was no violation. I think the commission has the discretion to make either finding. Thank you. Um, and I only have one question for the complainant before quite a few for the city, which was, uh, it, we're hearing a lot of references to additional screenshots provided today. Uh, I'm not, a, I don't think the commission has had visibility to any of that. City clerk, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't see anything come through. I haven't seen the agenda be updated. So we are totally in the dark as to what those documents consist of. I'm wondering, um, uh, for the complainant, if you could provide some insight on what, what you received, where it came from. You, you've described it a little bit, but maybe more detail. Uh, sure. Thank you, Commissioner Lopolato. I can't describe that much because I received it this afternoon and I also had to work and do other things. So um, they are screenshots that uh, have an October date of it and um, the name of the uh, I don't know, entity was Alameda Anonymous. And that's about as much information as I can provide. And they, they sent it to the city on Friday, but I imagine y'all had the day off. Thank you. Um, and maybe I'll flip that question over to, to Mr. Lay there. I, I assume you probably had a hand in that um, document production. Could you share some insight on what it was that was produced today that we haven't seen and what it consisted of? Certainly, the complainant is correct that it was uh, produced at the city on Friday, but um, City Hall is closed for certain employees on Friday, so I wasn't aware of it until this afternoon. And when I did receive it, I did not review it, so I'm not able to kind of summarize it for you. I just immediately turned around and asked that it be provided to the complainant. Okay, thank you. Um, I can pause and give anyone else a turn before I launch into some legal questions. Yeah, that'd be good uh, to get some other commissioners or other questions as well, but I'll open it up to other commissioners first. Commissioner Chen. Um, thank you, uh, Chair. I, I have a question for uh, the Assistant City Attorney, like John Lay. Um, when a request like that comes in, what are the expectations or requirements of the custodian of records? Well, our process, if I just could take a step back, is to, um, in answer to the question, we, uh, in an earlier question as well, is that when the request came in, I believe like within uh, uh, at least, I'm at most 24 hours, I, I want to say it was within the hour we provided it to a number of individuals inside the city to process the request, but we also sent a copy to the um to the custodian of records. Um, and the California Supreme Court said that you don't even need to do that. I mean, you can just simply summarize the nature of the request to the requester. Instead, we just provided the request to the requester. And then typically what we do is we make a request for the records. That, um, what that does is it actually allows the requester, uh, excuse me, the uh, custodian of records to do a search um, on their own uh, of their records. And that's something um, that was identified by the California Supreme Court. In addition to that, um, 
is something that you would expect to be done in this instance, given that it is social media. You know, with social media, um, there uh, those types of records, the custodian of records is going to be the best person to kind of take a look at those anyway. And the what what the law says is that you can reasonably rely on that search, and and that's precisely what we did. And so this idea that we refuse to produce records, I just don't think is accurate. So you said, uh, just follow up. You said as soon as you got the request, what date was that? Uh, April 21st. So on April 21st, you mm -hmm. uh, let the custodian of records know that um, their records of, the, of the, their interactions on Nextdoor were being requested. So let me take a step back. So the request was received on April 21st. I, I don't know the precise time. I believe it was in the afternoon. And certainly I, I, I wanna say it was within an hour or two. I, I didn't personally provide it, but um, someone within the city provided it uh, to the custodian. So what are the requirements of the custodian of records to reply? I mean, uh, I, I mean, we, we heard the complainant say that when he was the custodian of records, he replied um, right away. Right. Um, I think what's required of them is for them to do uh, a search um, of, in this case, it, it was social media, a, a search of the social media that's requested based on the review of the request and to produce records because, um, you know, when you, when you make them aware of it, you also request the records. Um, I think the standard practice though is um, oftentimes when the custodian of records is actually copied on the request, they just know that that's what they're supposed to do. That's kind of sort of the expectation. And once it's turned over to the city, the city treats it like any other records request. We review it. If it um, possibly could implicate ex exemptions, I'm sure you're aware, we do the review and then we produce it. So you also stated that you received no records. I from the custodian of rec of the records being requested. I'm only hesitating because I didn't actually. I, there might have been one record that was received, um, but I'm not sure. I, I I don't know. It's possible that there were no records, but I but if there were any records, I want to say there was one record. From the custodian. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was a record from the custodian or a record that was identified by staff. So as a commissioner, I'm not sure if, is the custodian of records then in violation of the, uh, the uh, uh, timeliness of responding to the request? You know, I, I don't know how best to frame that. I, I don't know that that means that the, I, I don't believe, um, I'm not sure that their conduct is actually the subject of this. I mean, it's it's the city as the respondent. And so you might, you might hear this expression when people say, well, the city, you know, it's just this entity, right? A municipal corporation, but the city can only act through its it's agents, the individuals that kind of do the city's work. And so, 
I, I suppose you could look at it that way, but you can also look at it as anyone sort of who's involved in the processing of this complaint, excuse me, this request. Okay. Um, yeah, Chief Assistant, or oh, Chief City Attorney John Lay. Yeah, through reading this, um, I just want to make sure I'm understanding the city's account. So let me do a quick summary and let me know if I'm stating it correctly or incorrectly. So the city has an A next door account. They're a subscriber or a member or whatever you want to call it. Is that correct? City has what's called an agency account. Okay. So then from reading um, you know, what was given to us, it's pretty much used by the city to make announcements and that sort of thing, right? And I saw e examples of that. Mm -hmm. Now from the screenshots and the things I saw from you know Commissioner uh, Spencer. Was she replying within that account or was this like some separate um, community? I'm not too familiar with Nextdoor. I don't use the system, but I would think that just like, hey, the city of Alameda posted something on Nextdoor. It goes out to all whoever's subscribing to it, right? Then people would just write messages to it. That's, I believe, is that sort of how it works? So what we're talking about are two different Nextdoor accounts. One is the agency okay. account that, where the city is actually, a city employee is the, it's our PIO, the public information officer is. And that's the, the person who sends the announcements, right? Right. And, and these okay. announcements are like one way, they're intended for one way as one way communication. Kind of like an example is let everyone know the Webster tube is closed. Perfect. Okay. Right? And, and to answer your question about um, posts, there are, comments allowed okay so for example if somebody says the webster tube is no longer closed just so you know you guys have this announcement that it's closed it's stale it's no longer there i want you to know i'm a, I'm a alameda resident it's no longer there so there are comments allowed on there and so what we did was we tried to produce those uh, because they were within our custody and control um in addition to providing uh, the custodian of records of the personal next door account Okay, so that, that's where I'm getting a little confused. Okay, so it's a little, so the communications that were sent to us where we do see council member um, Spencer responding, that is not on the city's, I guess, account? No, no, it, it actually is. It's so, oh. as I mentioned, the, the agency okay. account allows you to comment. Okay. It was discovered during our investigation that there were some comments from the custodian of records here. And that's what we produced. Okay, so so everything on the city's account where, hey, the tube was closed. Let's say, for example, someone said it's not closed, like you said. And let's just say, for example, that council member Spencer responded to that and said, yes, it closed, it, I mean, it is no longer closed and she put a time and gave more detail that would all be on that city's account and you would have full records of that correct 
Um, yes, but I want to tell you that during the course of the investigation, I, I was not aware that actually we had this next door account and because of the complaint I did investigate it and that's what I discovered. We did provide this to the complainant and the complainant explained to us, so we provided uh, an excerpted version because we weren't sure if that's what um, the complainant wanted and then he emailed me back saying, um, I'm not interested in this information. What I want is a personal account. Okay. That so okay so we have a city account but now we're saying there's some other forum where a, the council council member Herrera Spencer was writing things is that not on the city account and just being out there and responding to things is that correct um, and that's probably like the stuff that the complainant was looking for but since it wasn't on the city account, you didn't have access. Is that, am I saying that right? Because I, I'm trying to, I'm confused here. Yeah. Yes, you are saying that correct. And we did produce okay. on, um, the records on the personal account today as soon as we received them. Because that, at that point, we did have custody and control. We had them in our possession. So we provided them uh, to the complainant. Okay. So just to summarize, there's two different, I won't say account. Okay. I, I think accounts is the right word. There's a city account, council member public, whatever, they go back and forth comment, but then there's maybe some other, I don't know, forum out there, and maybe it's like Al small town Alameda or whatever you want to call it, and people make comments there, and possibly council member Spencer commented there, and that's sort of what the complainant was looking for, and I'll ask that directly to um, our complainant, is that did I summarize that right? That there's, I guess, two sets of things. You wanted to see everything that the council members said on the city site, but you're also looking for what was said on the non-city forum. Is that correct? So I can tell you what my request was. I did not have any expectation about the particular technology medium or the method in which it was maintained or retained. I asked for the correspondence and I was aware of one instance of correspondence in which my name along with others were put on this crime thread, but I didn't know the particulars of how again. Okay, you, so you, you just had an open request, anything that council member Spencer said on next door, is that? Yeah, I mean, the quote is, I request access to and a copy of all constituent correspondence to and from and comments by council member Trish Herrera Spencer using the next door social media platform. And I asked if your agency does not maintain these records, please let me know who does. And that's when I got directed to next. Okay, door. I think I, thank you, um, Assistant Chief, Chief John Lay and thank you, former commissioner Shabazz. I, 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 I understand this now, and I do see a hand up by Commissioner Montgomery. Okay, thank you all. Welcome, Mr. Shabazz, how are you doing? Um, I, I do have uh, one, I have a couple of questions, um, but first I wanna clear my understanding. I'm understanding that the city has its own account on Nextdoor and also the council member in question has her own account. You can respond as a person. So if I had an account on Nextdoor, I could go in under whatever the city 
hosted as the city and I could make a comment under there as a person. I could also, as a person, start my own thread within Nextdoor talking about something totally other. Um, so that's my understanding of how Nextdoor works. Is, is this correct? It, it is correct, but I do want to make a distinction. When you're talking about the agency account, it is possible for a member of the public to comment on it, but it is not possible for them to initiate a new post because it's intended for the, you know, for the city to do that. But you are correct. If they want to originate a post, they can on their personal Nextdoor account. Thank you. And then to Mr. Shabazz, so were you requesting um, those communications as well it, as, as what was posted directly under city communication on the site? Sorry, can you ask me one more time, please? Were you, I'm sorry, were you requesting um, the communication from the council member that was her own, own post as well as things that were posted under, that were commented on under a city post? Yeah, I think um, it's a similar question to Chair Tio's uh, question. Um, again, I just requested the correspondence to and from her and comments by her on the Nextdoor platform. I was not aware of any particular distinction um, between the city's account and this agent of the city being, you know, this council member. Okay, I have I have another question. When you received the first um. The, the first documents of what you had requested, like the ones that, that we received in our past packet, I saw that some of um, the council council members' comments weren't complete, that the, the, it wasn't open. You know, when you, when you say a thing and there's more words than you can actually see and you have to click the more so that you can see the whole comment, we weren't able on the communications that we got to see the more. And I was wondering if the communications that you got did you get the same just screenshot of the front or did you get the whole thing, Mr. Shabazz? Yeah, so initially uh, I received, uh, and you know, whoever constructed this document for, for or by the city, within the city could uh, probably get a better explanation of what they compiled. But I received two links to uh, policies related to elected officials usage of the platform, as well as a number of different uh, comments. The initial links about the policies, they didn't work, but I was able to find the documents later uh, doing a search. And then when I was on a, um, I don't know, desktop, laptop, I was unable um, because I wasn't logged in. Um, I also don't use uh, Nextdoor uh, for reasons probably other Black people are familiar with, but I um, was not able to access that. And I ended up having to utilize uh, a cell phone device where I'm still logged in uh, to that application. Okay, so I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not sure if I heard, did you, did you get to read the, the mores that, uh, that no. were there or did you not get to read the mores? Uh, no, ma'am. And, and, and it may have been some function I could have clicked or something, but I wasn't able to access that. Yeah, because we just got it in a stagnant, you know, a document so that we, we can't access the more from someplace else. I just wondered if you had been able to. Thank you. Yeah, Commissioner Montgomery, um, Chief City Attorney John Lay has his hand up, but it is your questioning time. So I'll, if you'd like to have him um, share, it's totally up to you. 
Yes, if you, if you had a response to one of my questions. I, I did, Commissioner Montgomery. Um, to answer your question, um, there, there wasn't more to it. What you have is there, and there's a specific reason for that. It, it, it was, um, we wanted it produced quickly, so we excerpted it. We didn't produce the whole thing. And the reason why we did that was we were unclear as to whether or not this, uh, the complainant actually was requesting um, records from the city's agency account. And so we wanted to send it to him. And I believe I sent him an email saying, hey, um, I discovered this content on the city's next door account. I even say in, the, in there, it says, here's an excerpt of it. Is this what you're looking for? And I wanna read from an email I received from Mr. Shabazz on November 7th, um, if I may, at uh, 1.35 um, p.m. And I think his response um, is, is useful here. Um, so it was Sunday, November 7th, 2021, 1.35 p.m. He says, thank you. But in particular, he says, and I'm quoting, Nonetheless, my PRA is not about the agency next door account, but the writings of an official discussing city business through a specific social media platform. So um, we interpreted that to mean that he was not interested in any additional records. Um, so that's why it, it, it stayed as the excerpts. Had the complainant suggested that that is exactly what he was looking for, we would have gone back to produce it. I remember requesting it, the information from the public information officer, and she said, yes, I can certainly produce everything, John, but it's gonna take me some time. But I wanted to clarify first with the complainant that that was indeed what he had wanted. And the response I got, I believe, as I've quoted to you, was that he wasn't interested in the uh, next door agency account, which is, that's why we left it where it was. Yeah, my, uh, I'm sharing my screen and folks can actually see that email right there and what I actually wrote. Michelle LaPlata. Thank you. Um, a quick, first, I, I wanna stay mindful of, of the time limit. So uh, to, to either of you, I apologize if this sounds like rapid fire <laughs> questions, I won't have my usual tee up um, and I'll probably need to request more time. But um, Mr. Lay, I'm, I'm looking at one of the documents that you attached to the city's position statement, um, the October 28th email in which you uh, included the next door posts with TS comments that I think Commissioner Montgomery was referring to. And my read of it is you say, you state, nevertheless, I am attaching a record that may be responsive to your request. Is that the, the material that you're referring to as excerpts? Yes, it is. And, and that's why I say nevertheless, because to me, it wasn't clear that that's what he was looking for. Okay. Um, and then just so that, I'll just ask the big picture question first. What is the city's position on whether a social media communication could constitute a public record? I think our position is that there isn't clear legal authority on that very issue. Um, and uh, because of that, um, 
you know, we've raised a number of other arguments that we hope the commission considers because we believe that the commission doesn't need to decide this sort of weighty constitutional issue. I mean, if anything, it should be dealt with by the legislature. Now, the California Supreme Court dealt with the Ted Smith case as best they could, given the circumstances. I remember watching oral argument of that case, and there was some discussion about whether or not it should go back to the legislature. And um, because there's not clear guidance, um, we don't believe it's clear that it is. And one of the um, issues that we raise, for example, the practical considerations in dealing with social media as a public record is a retention schedule. For example, if you have a Snapchat account and you start, I guess, Snapchatting, I don't know what the expression is, but if you start using that platform and it's gone instantaneously, are you going to then save that Snapchat, put it into a folder and keep it for as long as the city's retention schedule says? And if you're using email as an analogy, we're talking three years, it's not clear. There are, there are also heavy constitutional issues here that need to be weighed. And, and this is not something that the commission should really be weighing in on because it's such a difficult topic to wrestle with. Okay, let me ask this as a follow-up question because like you stated previously, you're unaware when this first happened that we, that you, the city had a next door account. But let's say now you're aware there is a, an account and seems like it's very easy for everything within that forum for you guys to pull. I don't, I don't know about retention and maybe it's only six months of it is still there or whatever, whatever. But let's say someone made the request now, knowing all the stuff you know now, would the city just go and hand off that stuff? Because it is sort of public record because it is in that account and you do have access to it. You don't have to go and call next door to ask for it, but you have it now, someone asked for it, would that be something you would just shoot off to a requester now? We, we would or is that still that. this gray line you're having between social media and all this? No, I, I, because it's a social media account that's actually owned, retained, maintained by the city, we would have very little issue producing that. But you must remember that the elephant in the room is we're talking about a personal, social media account yeah that one i would i yeah i would sort of bifurcate that piece. i'm just talking about the city one where it's easily obtainable for the city you don't have to go and ask next door about the other stuff because you know as our complainant said it was an open request he didn't know it was just the city's account or some special ones he just put an open request out there so i'm just trying to figure out you know what the city sort of can provide easily you know, to a requester. So absolutely, and we're not taking the position that the the city's, uh, the, the excuse me, the post on the city's agency account is not a public record. We're not taking that position. Just just to clarify. Okay, okay, yeah, and it was you know, like you said, oh, I think my time is up. But um, Commissioner Lo Palado and Commissioner Chen. So I guess Lo Palado. <laughs> I can ask a, a quick one or two. Um, 
I understand the comments about retention schedules and actual possession. Um, I'm really interested in constructive possession here and, and what that might look like in the context of uh, an individual's you know, private accounts. I, I read the city of San Jose case and I think some of the constitutional you know, privacy concerns, it says that should be addressed on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, and so I'm not worried about us running afoul of the California constitution here, but um, there, and you mentioned this as well, there's statements in the California Supreme Court case that essentially an agency may reasonably rely on employees to search their own personal files, accounts, and devices for responsive materials. Um, I'm wondering if when you sent that, forwarded the request along within an hour of receiving it back in April, did you receive any confirmation that the individual custodian of records had conducted such a search? Uh, first of all, I did, I did not send it personally myself. Some, someone in the city did send that and I, I'm not aware of a response. Okay. Um, I, it, I was just, okay. Uh, that leaves us, I think, in a position where we have to assume that no response was made. So certainly if you're able to gather any other information to confirm one way or the other, because um, I think this goes to the sort of the health of the honor system here. Um, there's, there's also a line in the San Jose case indicating, you know, federal courts have approved of employees conducting their own searches as long as they've been properly trained and how to distinguish between private and public records. And so I'm wondering whether any specific guidance was given to the individuals who, the individual whose private records were, or personal account um, communications were sought, was any guidance given on like what would constitute a public record in this context? And I'm not asking for like any legal advice that was given, but just was any advice given or did you simply forward the request along? So when we forward uh, requests to custodians of records, we don't give sort of on the spot training right there. I, I know the city does provide general public records training and also open government related training. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't personally get that training, but I suspect that would be covered there. I know that training happens, but if you're asking whether or not we give, you know, training right on the spot, like this is, remember, this is what you need. We don't do that. We rely on the fact that, you know, they have been trained in, in some manner or another. And we just say, here's the request. Um, uh, and I think that's kind of where we leave it. I can pause for a bit so Commissioner Chen can ask questions. Mr. Chen. Yes, um, I just wanted to make a comment that um, five years ago, uh, people would tweet and they just tweeted, but uh, policy started coming through Twitter, which is a social media tool. And in fact, I'm always a little taken aback still because I'm, I come from a, another century. That, you know, today it was announced that blah, 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 said this, right? It tweeted this and I'm going, when did tweets become, you know, policy statements, but this is what social media has become. So I, this is just a comment that I need to make. Uh, the other thing is that um, Nextdoor allows every um, owner of their, uh, to actually uh, make a request for every posting they've made. So I saw the instructions today, so I just did it. And I, all of the postings I've ever made on Nextdoor uh, I got in three minutes in files. So it is a very easy thing to do. Um, I'm clean, 
but uh, <laughs> but I have to say that uh, Nextdoor makes it very easy to, for an individual to recover all of his or her or their documents uh, by a simple request on the Nextdoor site. Ms. Lafada. Thank you. Um, I want to kind of get a sense of, of, is the city's argument that, that the city didn't have actual possession of the records because that's obviously in next door's possession and or the individual personal account holder. And then the city also didn't have constructive possession because the records were requested from the individual council member, but no response was received. And therefore there was no constructive possession. Do I have that right? Yes, I, you know, the way I would frame it is that um, the city's position is that we, we didn't actually have actual custody uh, until recently, of course, and then we turned it over once we did. We don't have constructive possession because the membership agreement says we don't. Um, and in the cases that we cited, they do look to the contract and it had to do with a subcontractor and look, they look to the contract as a determining factor about whether or not the city had uh, constructive possession. So our analogy here is that since the membership agreement says that we're not, uh, we don't have that ability. We can't go, for example, go and, and uh, request it from next door because they would say, well, you're not the member, so you're not gonna get it. So we don't have constructive possession under those grounds. But we also, um, the other thing we've argued is that we followed what the California Supreme Court, uh, are, I admit in dicta, albeit in dicta, what they said we should do, and that's what we did. Does the, um, excuse me for a second while I look back at my notes here. Um, I'm curious about some of the, the records that, that were produced. Um, and this is looking back at attachment three to the city's, the city's position statement. Um, and I'm curious about the city's position on whether some of those comments by the individual council member would have constituted a public record. So for example, if we look at um, in attachment three, there's a communication from the council member, which ultimately was discovered on the city's next door account um, in January 6, 2021. And that's time also. Mr. Chair, may I request an additional one or two minutes for further questions? I won. <laughs> I'll do my best. So my question is, uh, what is the city's position as to whether, for example, the January 6, 2021 communication from the council member on the city's next door account constitute a public record? You know, as we stated, we, we stated in, in our position paper, sort of what are the factors for determining whether or not it's a public record. It really boils down to whether or not uh, relates to the conduct of the people's business and that has some sort of sub factors. We produce those records um, because we did feel that um, they were relevant. Uh, there is some, and but I, I do want to fall back on the position that we've already made that the, there is no clear guidance. There is a case that we did cite that talked about how if someone was simply providing information, hey, you might be interested in this. It's unclear whether or not that would be a public record. And because there's not clear guidance, that is an argument that possibly could be made until that is decided by a court of competent jurisdiction that actually has 
you know, sort of binding effect on us. So I, I do want to acknowledge that it, it, we did kind of believe that it was something that was a record, but then also there is authority out there, even though it's just persuasive, that just simply providing information doesn't kind of move the needle, so to speak. Thank you. Um, and uh, very quickly, are there, uh, you, you mentioned training that's given to council members in the general sort of open government training. Are there written policies related to social media use for council members and commissioners? I, I don't believe, I don't believe there's social media, there's a social media policy. Okay. And um, there was one- I can certainly say I'm not aware of one. Sorry, interrupt. That's fair. No, I, I understand that distinction and appreciate it. Um, the, there's a comment made in the addendum to the complainant's reply regarding a 2019 complaint um, that was sort of loosely mentioned here. And I'm wondering if you could sort of respond to the complainant's statement about um, making an argument that something is time barred now, whereas that obviously was not um, included in the OGC's prior decision on, on a somewhat similar fact pattern. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's an excellent question. And, and you know, this is, um, this gets a little bit closer to the kind of doctrine of stare decisis. I, I mentioned it to you because you're familiar with it, but it's basically the principle that, you, you know, the commission should stand by a, a position that they had taken in, in the past. I want to be clear that I don't even know that it stare decisis or standing by your prior decisions actually applies in an administrative context. I will say that to the extent that it does, let's assume that stare decisis does apply. The decision that's referred to, it's actually 19-02, I believe. Um, that cannot be, uh, that wouldn't be precedent because it, it, uh, the issue about timeliness wasn't decided there. It was never raised and so therefore it was never decided. But the notion that the city is now bound by this idea that because they didn't raise timeliness back there, it's gone and gone forever is not something we would ever support and we don't believe is the correct way to look at it. Those are all of my questions. Thank you to both of you. Oh, actually one last question, just so that we're super clear on this. Um, records were produced today uh, to the complainant or, right. or Friday or within the last few days and, and they haven't been uh, visible to the OGC as part of this complaint. Um, just so that I'm very clear because it was referred to as if those came from the custodian of records. And sounds like that's not the case, that they did not come from the individual custodian of records. No records have in fact come from the individual custodian of records. These were in fact screenshots by a third party. Is that correct? I, I believe that's correct. Now, whether or not uh, the, um, whether or not the uh, custodian of records responded, I, I, I hesitate a little bit because I, I just remember kind of the splinter in my head about how, oh, there is one thing, but I'm not sure if it's related to this case or not. We've just, we process so many of these, I apologize. Okay, thank you. If, if you do come across that information, I think that would be helpful for us in our deliberations. Yeah. And Chair Tios, if I could just clarify, um, looking at the attendees today, um, the email I received was from Alameda Anonymous. If Anonymous Anonymous is that same person or entity, the fact that they are here, as well as uh, council member Trish Herrera Spencer, it's likely that they're not the same person, or at least it's possible. So that would suggest that the records that were received were not from the custodian of records. And in fact, as you stated, Commissioner Lopalato, a third party. Okay. Um, I don't see any more hands up. 
So I think this is the part where we make some closing statements. Uh, complaining. Um, yeah, Mr. Chair, do we um, get to make our public statements before uh, members of the public or does that happen and then? Um, closing statements are first, then we will ask if there are any speakers. Okay, awesome. Thank you for uh, clarifying that. Yeah, I don't, I know y'all working through those procedures tonight. Good luck. So I'll try to be uh, quick. So, you know, one thing is um, the next door policy for uh, public agents, uh, agencies, elected officials states that elected officials and staff are not permitted to use next door for public agencies for campaigning, campaign fundraising, announcing campaign events, position statements, or any business other than official city or county business. That's the policy of next door, which uh, the assisted city attorney directed me to. And so if that's the case, an elected official using this platform is using it for the people's business and the people's business is open to scrutiny of the public. If you're looking for more information about that more recently, AB 992 gets into some more detail about the Brown Act and how people shouldn't be liking each other's posts because that might, uh, not necessarily, it's not a meeting, but it might be signaling people's positions on matters that might be before the city. And in fact, the specific things that were on that next door thread were stuff that was coming up before the city. But this really isn't about the content. Although there are questions that may emerge around why city council members are using segregated social media platforms that some of us on the West End may not be able to access your posts because next door is only for people who you may wanna have live next door to you. But in fact, it's about at this point, two issues. Did the city respond within 10 days? No, that didn't happen very clearly. It did not happen. And when they did respond after my follow-up, they directed me to Nextdoor. And it's great that they've discovered that Nextdoor policy, or I mean, they had some interdepartmental communication, but the fact the initial response was to obstruct again. And so I did suggest some remedies coming out of this. It sounds like they need some clarity around social media retention policies, but y'all don't have to do that in this adjudicative thing, but clearly there's a violation around time as well as not giving me the records before the complaint. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for our respondents closing statement. I think we tried to make clear in our brief that um, this is not a facile issue. It involves very weighty constitutional issues, but we don't believe the commission needs to uh, engage in those issues. Uh, the first reason of which is that it, it, there's no guidance for the commission to do so. Instead, the complaint is untimely. The continuing violation doctrine, as we mentioned, doesn't or shouldn't apply given that it's not applied in the FOIA context. We did what the California Supreme Court asked us, uh, suggested that it would be okay to do. We made the requester aware of the records request and we requested the records. We produced what we received. We produced what we had custody of control over and we immediately produced within minutes, um, something that we received today in the form of personal social media content. And with that, um, we ask that you um, find in the city's favor. Thank you, I submit.
Um, so thank you to our complainant. Thank you to our respondents. And now is the time where we take um, statements from the public. So I'll ask Madam Clerk if we have any speakers. We do. And the first speaker is Janice Anderson. Welcome. Unmuting. Um, I'm glad I logged in tonight since part of my conversation was used as an exhibit. Happy to be of assistance to Rashid there. Um, I also wanted to commend him for bringing this complaint forward. Uh, for as much as some people talk about transparency in the city, none of this has been transparent and this council member isn't transparent either. Um, this council member represents me as a constituent in the city and they choose to solely communicate on Nextdoor, a platform I do not have access to. I was banned from Nextdoor without an appeals process, so I cannot see the communications of my city council member. She doesn't respond to emails, which I have also seen because I've requested her emails and I've looked at thousands of them. Um, so what I'm understanding is that I can't, I can't request city business that she does on a semi-public platform. And I, I can't request it from next door and I can't request it from you. So I have no idea what she's doing. Um, because I cannot see this communication, I am essentially blocked from this council member and from seeing the business that she conducts. Um, I, I, you guys might recall that it was ruled that Donald Trump could not block his constituents on Twitter. Um, and that's a different social media platform, but if she was on Twitter, which she's not, she likely wouldn't be allowed to block me. I mean, if you're thinking logically. So, and other council members do do business on, not business, but they do communicate on Twitter. And that's available for anyone in the public to see. Um, it's my understanding that she also does block some constituents on Nextdoor or mutes them so she can't see them. Um, Sorry, I'm losing track. <laughs> I'm a little. Uh, um, if I cannot see the business of a city official and I can't request it in public record, officials shouldn't be allowed to use that platform while they are city officials, or they must be required to produce the records of their communications, especially when they are talking about constituents that cannot see those communications. Um, I believe that part of this whole thing is based on this one, this post that she made um, kind of doxing uh, over 200 people in our city um, and using it in reference to a crime rate increase in our city. So I just think we need a new social media policy for our city council members. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is call in user two. So we'll see. Welcome. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Good evening. This is Anonymous. Uh, I normally operate in San Francisco, so I'm going to stick to state law, and I have no relationship with Alameda Anonymous, which is cited in this case. 
First, the local men, uh, local official, the council member, is themselves considered a, quote, local agency under the Public Records Act, which means the council member is personally subject to the P Public Records Act. And this is uh, directly from a quote from the Supreme Court in the city of San Jose case, quote, broadly con construed, the term local agency logically includes not just the discrete governmental entities wished in Section 5252, Subdivision A, but also the individual office officials and staff members who conduct the agency's affairs. And so the council member is also subject directly to the PRA. Second, the respondent is wrong that there needs to be some court case determining that social media is subject to the PRA. Every writing about the conduct of public business a prepared, owned, used, or retained is automatically a public record until a specific statute or court case says otherwise. And AB 992 uh, actually discusses this when it's uh, a member of a Brown Act legislative body. Finally, under Community Youth Athletic Center versus City of National City, local agencies have to go to their private contractors and get records that are considered to be owned by the local agency. In this case, the council member is a local agency. Her contractor is next door, according to that member agreement. She is required to, quote, press their private contractor sufficiently to produce the records, then redact and withhold them for privacy and produce them. And so the council member must be required as a local agency in and of themselves because they have constructive possession of the records on Nextdoor due to their contract with Nextdoor to have Nextdoor search for the records or download the archive as previously discussed and then produce the records. Finally, mootness cannot have a relevance here. Otherwise, timeliness violations would never be found by the commission. The city could always uh, wait until after 10 days and after a complaint is filed. ...59 to the California Constitution, you should resolve that ambiguity in favor of public access. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Michael Devine. Hi, uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, I just wanna uh, first comment, cause this came up from the uh, public comments. Whoops, uh, do you hear me now? Yes. Did you hear me before? Yes. Okay, good. Cause it just popped with the dialogue saying unmute again. Okay. Uh, first thing I wanna say about doxing, um, that's the wrong word to throw around. It's inflammatory and it's totally misleading. Uh, the content posted to Nextdoor was not doxing any more than the city releasing those same documents in a prior public records request. Um, doxing is actually a criminal act of revealing uh, through hacking or other illegal means uh, private information and exposing that publicly. So let's just shelve that as nonsense. Uh, second thing I wanna say, it is highly improper for the city to have accepted screenshots from an anonymous source um, the veracity of those is in question, the filtering of responsive content uh, verse, in, as well as the inclusion of non-responsive content in those um, documents uh, is, is problematic. Um, also, the acquire of that inherently violated the next door user agreement. Um, it also violated the privacy of other participants in that thread who, ex who expected um, the privacy terms of their use of Nextdoor and participation in those threads to be honored. Um, so also because it's anonymous, we can't question the source of that. We don't know who that was, their intent, how they acquired it. Um, uh, 
I could make a guess as to who it was, but uh, I'm not going to do that. I think a lot of Alamedans know exactly who it was as well, um, but um, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so yeah, I, I really don't think the city should have uh, produced any documents from those anonymously provided screenshots. And uh, I think that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, our next speaker is Monica Price. Welcome. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh getting an echo now. Sorry, I was on my phone as well. Um, so uh, thank you for hearing me tonight. Um, I just wanted to point out that the Alameda Sunshine Ordinance requires timely access to all public records. Um, I'd also like to point out that the California Constitution, Article 1, Section 3B2, requires the city to broadly construe all provisions that further the public's right of access. Um, the city of San Jose case concerned whether personal emails dealing with city business are public records, and the court said that they are. It said that writings about public business that are sent, received, stored in a personal account are still subject to disclosure. Um, any messages and personal accounts concerning the conduct of city business must be disclosed under a CPRA request, um, unless they are you know, exempt for another reason. Um, but the key consideration in that case is whether the communications concern public business, not whether they're carried on an email or text message or social media. Um, you know, if anything, comments on social media are even more public since they can be seen by more people than just the sender and the recipient, um, you know, as in an email. Um, and I just, I really urge this commission to consider what this case means. If city employees are using personal accounts to conduct city business, then these are public records and that should be broadly construed. Um, so if this is, you know, a systemic problem where these, re these records are not being thought of um, every time that a request is received, um, that, that should really concern the Open Government Commission and the city will end up being responsible for legal fees in a lawsuit challenging these practices. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jay Garfinkel. Welcome. All right. Um, I hope we can get back, <clears throat> get back out of the weeds for a bit. It's kind of dismaying that the city would uh, accept the uh, email from anonymous, it's even more egregious that you allowed an anonymous person to address the committee. Um, that what, you know, where is this uh, right to be, a, to face your accuser? I think that's uh, despicable. Um, I have a question about the uh, first uh, complaint being barred. Um, Mr. Lee has uh, in the past refused to accept uh, complaints past the 15 day uh, uh, deadline. So I'm not sure why uh, he is allowing it to even be on the agenda tonight. Mr. Shabazz, uh, as you may not remember, but he was the vice chair of this committee at one time. And I'm sure that he, uh, knows uh, all the rules very well. He's very well versed in uh, being able to find the uh, minutia. Um, he knows that 
At the end of 10 days, if he has not received a response, the city is in violation and he then has 15 days in which to file a complaint. He didn't do it. So that, that should be dead. If he wanted to pursue it, then he could have filed a second uh, Public Records Act request. He didn't do it. Instead, he filed a complaint, which uh, was no longer valid because it was past the, uh, the deadline. Um, I think that we also need to clarify the a distinction between public uh, record and public domain. Uh, the records that he is requesting are in the public domain. The city is not required to provide uh, documents that are in the public domain. What does that have to do with openness? They're required to provide documents that are not in the open domain. Domain. They're, they're required to uh, provide documents that um, people otherwise don't have access to through public uh, domain sources. The fact that he chooses not to be on Nextdoor, that's on him, that's not on the city. The city has no uh, obligation to, to uh, function as the secretary for him. Um, I, I think this is also an example of how dysfunctional this whole process is. I've been advocating for at least two years that the OGC should clean up their act and give specific direction to the uh, city staff. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Matt Reed. Welcome. Hi there, that was a delay in the unmute. Um, Thank you, uh, Chair Tilos and commissioners. Um, much of my thoughts have already been echoed. I'll just add a couple things. Um, number one, uh, you know, earlier this year we had the Morris complaint, and there's some there's some interesting parallels here because uh, in the Morris complaint the city was late, and then in, in at least my estimation they overcompensated by providing records that were more than 90 days old, and these are arrest records, and there's a privacy consideration to be had there. Uh, and in this case, you had uh, uh, where a council member. Uh, you know, was asked for information to provide that. The city attorney did its, did its job, but, you know, it responded very late uh, and now has overcompensated, as a previous speaker mentioned, by providing things of dubious provenance. Uh, and so uh, in between, you had the Garfinkel complaint last month. And what's interesting about this commission is that in the Morris complaint, you voted 3-2 in favor, meaning that you understood that the city uh, should be penalized for its lack of timeliness. Uh, now, in the Garfinkel complaint, uh, you found the opposite conclusion, four to one, and that was because Jay had a responsibility to communicate back to the city attorney's office uh, when they weren't being responsive to his to his satisfaction. Uh, apparently, today you've you've got more sympathy for the complainant in terms of his uh, failure to communicate back with city attorney's office to ask them how things were going. Uh, last month, you seemed to think that was a reasonable expectation of a complainant. Uh, we'll see if you think that way again this time, uh, and so. You know, there's been lots of complaints about Nextdoor. Uh, th those are things that are more appropriately, uh, uh, the, you know, heard in the court of Nextdoor, if you will. And I know for a fact that plenty of Alamedans are very aware of their rights on Nextdoor and they execute them to the fullest. Uh, lots of banning goes back and forth uh, all over the place. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing is there's lots of great guidelines for social media policy. Uh, we're clearly hearing that. 
Uh, but I'm going to just take a, a wild guess that when the council member in question, uh, when, when documents are being requested, the current state of that social media guideline policy was rather rudimentary, perhaps non-existent. So in terms of the determination as to what constitutes city business to, to be applicable for, uh, or covered under this Public Records Act request, that's purely at her discretion and frankly uh, would be subject to some training policy, which sounds like it was non-existent. So going forward, clearly there needs to be a better policy for training for uh, elected officials in terms of uh, how they behave on social media. Uh, but at the same time, we do have to respect the right of privacy as a private individual uh, in terms of what they're doing. Uh, I would also offer that in the next door case, uh, you know, typically what's happening is elected officials, and we have other council members who do the same thing. They use Twitter for that purpose, uh, which is to amplify uh, information that's also available elsewhere. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty common use of the platform. Uh, and I don't know if that constitutes necessarily uh, something that should be disclosed under Public Records Act request. I, I frankly don't think it's, uh, it's, it's really warranted. That's my opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Is that the last of the speakers, Madam Clark? There are no additional speakers. Okay. I, I do see someone who just put a hand up. Alexia Arocha. Welcome. Hi, apologies. I thought I had already raised my hand. I just wanted to comment and in support of Rashid, I think it's, you know, people are trying to distract with various issues, but I think it's pretty simple that a request was made, a response was not made on time, and they didn't respond until there was a complaint. Um, I think trying to use so much legalese and con constitutional ambiguity isn't quite accurate. I also think if a city official is discussing city issues on Nextdoor, that is not the same as a private person. Um, and I think that that's pretty obvious and simple. And regarding the prior comment about the doxing debate and that not being any different than the city releasing it in a prior request, I, I actually don't agree with that. And I don't think that it matters what the intent was of those screenshots it's pretty clear content um also another comment regarding the right to confront your accuser this isn't criminal court that applies in criminal court and this isn't that so i do think that um the city had an obligation and didn't do what it should have done and i just want to again voice support of rashid and of some of the previous commenters thank you thank you okay Madam Clerk, I do not see any more hands up. Correct. Okay. So now, um, commissioners, do we have a motion or a discussion? Um, before answering that question, oh, looks like Madam Clerk beat me to it. So it looks like we'll put five minutes on each of our clocks um, for discussion. Looks like, yeah, I think I covered that ground. So commissioners, do we have a discussion points or does anyone want to make a motion at this time? Okay, so let me throw this out there. It looks like there's two um, different complaints here and maybe we should um, bifurcate these and tackle one at a time. Okay, I see a little head nod there. Okay, so the first one um, is in regards to, you know, Public Records Act was made, more than 10 days passed by, five months later, and some number of days, I think 22 days, passes by, nothing happens, but there is a 
complaint made, and then it gets the ball rolling again. Um, you know, in previous meetings, we've been going over a lot of the procedural grounds as far as timeliness and, you know, when a complaint should be made. So I think, you know, that's something we need to consider in this as well. You know, are we allowing, you know, things to come to us, you know, you know, 15 days and someone comes in within 30 days, you know, that's well, maybe, or if they came in within three months, then maybe that's past the time. But, you know, I think those are things we need to consider in the first complaint. Um, so commissioners, do you have any comments on this and, you know, which way we're leaning? Don't see any hands up. So if there's no discussion points, do, do we have a motion here? Commissioner Lopalato. Uh, to get the ball rolling, I'll just chime in. Um, so I I find the the timeliness argument. Um, I'll, I'll put it. I mean, I, I think we do have a little bit of a challenge with the possibility of whether the first claim is time barred with respect to um, if a complaint should have been brought, you know, 15 days after the 10 day window elapsed. Uh, I'm not comfortable saying that because that's not really what the past actions on this commission have been um, looking at that 2019 complaint. And I also um, think it's abundantly clear here that with respect to claim one, there, there was a violation. The city failed to respond within 10 days. And though I think we may have to do it, it's worth noting that enforcing the Sunshine Ordinance's statute of limitations with respect to this type of public records claim, you know, will only generate more complaints to the OGC in which, you know, somebody feels they hit that 15 day point or they're getting close to it and they have to file their complaint. And it sort of disincentivizes like back and forth discussion between the city staff and the requester, which we've been trying to encourage. Um, so I, I, I will just throw out there that if we were going to have to dismiss that first claim as potentially time barred that our written decision or implementation report should probably include some kind of recommendation to the city about you know, how to deal with that, whether that's automatically tolling the statute of limitations for PRA related complaints until the time at which an eventual response is actually provided. Um, to allow time for informal resolution. Um, the city attorney obviously uh, cited some case law about FOIA requests not allowing continuing violation doctrine. So that's that's news to me. I don't know what to do with that, but that's above our pay grade. Um, you know, or maybe a recommendation about possibly revising the Sunshine Ordinance's statute of limitations with respect to public records requests, because that 15-day window feels yeah, um, feels tight. I like the point you made uh, yeah, very early in your comments in regards to how we're trying to get the public and the city attorney's office to, you know, sort of come to some kind of agreement. And I, I really wish, even if it was after the 15 days or after 30 days that, you know, the complainant made some sort of follow-up rather than the five months, because yes, we're all busy people. You made a request, 10 days go by, but like the city attorney's office said, you know, something happened. You know, um, I'm gonna take their word for it. There was some kind of miscommunication, whatever, whatever. And maybe that's why they didn't get back to them. But, you know, after maybe the 10 days or after 20 days, after a month or two, I would think a complaint, there should be some kind of email. 
hey, I didn't get a response. And maybe we would start with 15 days from there, because at least there was some back and forth, which we are trying to push as a commission to have the city attorney's office and the complainant sort of come to, you know, a resolution of, you know, figuring out um, their request. Any other um, comments here, commissioners? Mr. Montgomery. I think this one's difficult because of the time, because of the time constraints. I mean, it's obvious, I think, to all of us that the city didn't respond in in the re requested and in what is in the law that says they need to respond in that time. Um, also, it's obvious to us that the complaint wasn't made within the the, the time period. So we're we're on the first one, we're solely dealing with time constraints. And even if we find that the city, you know, didn't do their, their job or that, the, or that if we think that the complainant didn't follow up, there should maybe be some comments to, from us about, um, you know, what, what it should look like in the future because this is the timeliness thing feels to me, of the things that I've looked at before, which is an ongoing issue. I mean, I'm not quite sure how to deal with that, but um, yeah, that's, so that's that, part of the thing that's confusing about the first part to me, because I, it's clear that the city didn't respond. We, we all saw that and they, they, they said they didn't respond. Yeah, so there is one of the decision options where it's complaint dismissed on jurisdictional procedural grounds so it could sort of you know fall into there and and if we were to lean towards something like that then could we also write in a statement of you know that that we i don't know that we that yeah, we yeah I, um uh, let's ask chief assistant city attorney you know we could definitely say yes the city um, did not respond in 10 days, but we found this to be, you know, that we're dismissing this on jurisdictional procedural grounds. So at least, hey, it's on the record. The city messed up. The city already said they messed up and there's some kind of communication error. So this way we know there was something wrong here. And, you know, that may up to the city council and it tells them, you know, because we have some of these complaints that are saying maybe there is something wrong with, you know, the procedures going on, but um, the city's attorneys office did say that there is a new system out there that will make this better um so i see that it you know there's a lot of things that are you know i won't say broken but a lot of things that could be improved and it looks like we are on that path to improvement were you looking for my comments charity Los? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you want a, a quick one on, sure. on that one, yes, thank you. Sure. Um, well, one, one option that, that the commission may have is that in the, the newest revision of the Sunshine Ordinance, um, specifically subsection D of 2-93.2, which um, talks about, and this is language that I think was discussed um, by all of you earlier this year, um, that states in relevant part, 
in addition to the Commission's ability to render a formal written opinion finding a violation or non-violation of the Sunshine Ordinance, the Commission may also consider options for informal resolutions of complaint and, upon majority vote of the Commission, may make non-binding recommendations to the City Manager, City Attorney's Office, City Clerk, or City Council regarding informal resolution options um, or steps to avoid similar future violations. That last part I don't think would apply if you were to find a non-violation, not to find a violation, but if you're talking about, um, which I sense or I understand that you are, wanting to make some recommendations about informal resolution options, such as, um, I don't know what form it would take, but some ideas that have just been mentioned about um, changing the um, Sunshine Ordinance to, to um, address uh, or to provide more time, additional time, um, or to toll the statute of limitations to encourage um, discussion instead of filing a, rec um, a complaint. Those I think would all fall within the category of um, informal resolution options. So um, that is all to say that I think you all would have the ability to um, make informal recommendations, um, non-binding excuse me, make non-binding uh, recommendations, even were you to find um, a portion of the complaint to be time barred. Okay, so just to restate, we could actually say complaint dismissed, but we can make some informal yes. recommendations. Yes, I think the city clerk has something. Uh, Madam Clerk. I just wanted to jump in and add on uh, to your comments, Chair Telos, about the fact that the new system is in place and this did occur before next request and in and it, it was a human error between two departments not <laughs> speaking, right? And so in next request, that can't occur because everything is in the system and we get reminders and therefore it can't be dropped because you see it visually and it it's in the system, you know, that it wasn't responded to. So it will be known now. So that is... Um, what next request is doing for us. So it is great news that we have that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks for, you know, restating that. That I, you know, it's nice to see it as a commission or me personally, I don't want to talk for all of us, but it is nice to see that there is a lot of improvement happening because we've had issues with these public requests. And now, you know, what sort of got in my head too was the information that, hey, next door, we do have an account and the city attorney's office would, you know, can easily gather that information that's that on the account and would be willingly, you know, fulfill requests with that too. So I like, you know, the path we're going on as far as like being able to produce more information for the public. Okay. We have a motion here. Remember, I'm only the chair for like, hey, I think this is my last meeting as a chair and, you know, the other commissioner is supposed to make the motions here. So I'll definitely make some when I'm uh, not the chair, but uh, Commissioner Chen. I, I, I actually have a question. Um, if the city didn't respond in the 10 days, that is a de facto violation whether anyone complains or not. It's like if a tree falls in the forest. 
So, oh, I'm, I, I, so I'm wondering if I, I, I have, I'm, that's where I'm kind of stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I think, I think we're all clear, as Commissioner Montgomery also said, the city attorney fesses up to it. There was some human error, no system available. I don't think that's any, yes, that occurred. But then is it our, do we believe it's our position as the Open Government Commission to like take these things on, you know, and, you know, especially, I just really wish there was some back and forth between the complainant and city attorney's office to say, you know, some kind of reminder and, you know, in good faith, you know, within maybe not the 10 days, but maybe a month, but to go five months, that's what makes it a little hard for me. And that's your time, Chair Telos, if you want to. We'll not make any more comments. Commissioner Montgomery. I'm going to go back to the, to the thing where I'm not According to to the rules and the regulations and the legislator uh, legislative rules, I'm not sure that it's on the complainant to to keep nudging for for what you asked for, or if it's just on the city to give what they were asked for. Um, because I, I don't read it anywhere in in the Brown Act or the Sunshine Ordinance that said that says that. Um, once you put in your request, you are responsible as the requester of information to continue to follow up and follow up and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, yeah, so I, I just that. Commissioner Plata. Um, this is actually just sort of a, a point of order in favor of a robust discussion on this issue, which is that um, these time limits for our decision and deliberation are, are not in our complaint procedures. So just so that everybody's aware of that, this space was purposefully written in to, to not have time limits for commissioner deliberation. So to the extent we want to be flexible on that, given the, the scope of issues in this complaint, there's, there's room there. So I just want to throw that out there. So basically what you're saying is even though I have a zero on my clock, you guys won't mind me commenting. Um, I will allow that courtesy to what, as well to you guys when you guys hit the zero mark, I'll keep it down to a minute. But just to respond to Commissioner Montgomery, yes, totally agree it is not on the complainant to keep nudging and going back and forth. But I think, you know, maybe one, there's just one other follow-up. You know, not nudging like every single month you go back, but if I would have just seen one, just to, you know, as a you know friendly reminder to the city, I had this out there and it was totally human error. And I think we wouldn't even be in this place if that would have happened. And I, I'd sort of want to, you know, to let the public know that too. It's like, hey, things sort of happen. It's like, you didn't get it in 10 days. Yes, it's a violation, but it would help the city as well if there was a follow-up to just, hey, not not multiple, but you know, if it got to the two or three, then okay, there, there's a violation. Let's put your um, complaint in. But you know, there's just like you know, one other just follow up to just oh, okay, you know, city could have said you know we messed up a lot earlier in this process rather than five months from now. Uh, Commissioner Chen. Uh, I move that we sustain the complaint without a cure and correct because 
the city has, um, has, has a cure in the sense that they have the next uh, software that will now uh, keep that from happening again. Because the tree did fall. Michelle Pilato. I'm in all recognition that the tree did fall. Um, I'm struggling with the fact that we do have a statute of limitations in the Sunshine Ordinance, and I may not like it with respect to um, PRA requests, but I, I, I just kind of want to, anything that we do, I, I feel like we have to frame it with some acknowledgement that there is a statute of limitations and I don't know what form that takes, but I just want to throw that out there um, to see if there's any type of amendment Commissioner Chen might want to make or um, if, if the commission generally thinks that that's not something we need to address, but it, it's, it's something on the flag. Okay. So we... I just wanted to make a comment, that, a couple of comments. One, um, to uh, Commissioner Chen's um, uh, statement um, as to the the fact that the the violation did did occur. I mean, our Sunshine Ordinance, as it's currently written, does it's complaint driven. Um, whereas I, I completely understand the commission's um, discomfort with with the um, the situation that that we that uh, that you are confronting at this point, but. The way the Sunshine Ordinance is written, it's it's written by that violations are to be found after being raised by complaint. So that's just one. I just just to be guided by the documents um, or the, guided by the statute in this case. That's something I think um, the commissioners should be aware of. Um, and the second is that because the city has raised most forcefully the um, the statute of limitations argument, I'll just chime in and with Commissioner Lopalata's comment. Um, I do highly urge the commission to figure out if a way to address that statute of limitation and to marry it with the facts um, to include in the statement of decision because a year, two, three years from now, um, people may, may wonder how a complaint that was brought five plus months after um, it ripened into a complaint um, was able to be um, heard by the by the commission. So I think it's important if if you're inclined to to find a violation to address that that elephant in the room, the the statute of limitations. Mr. Chen, I'll withdraw my motion and let someone else <laughs> tackle it. Thank you. Um... Sort of. Yeah, this one's a little tough, but I sort of had a question for us for Chief City Attorney John Lay, but I think maybe Chief Assistant City Attorney Elizabeth might be able to answer. Um, when he was speaking, he alluded to something. Oh, I'm trying to say that you know a complaint came up. Uh, or maybe it was a speaker. I think a speaker said, maybe it was um, Mr. Garfinkel. He said something about like, why is this even 
on our agenda if it's mm. past the 15 days. So um, who can I get some uh, clarification from that from you, Chief Assistant City Attorney? It was like, yeah, like how did this even get to us? Is there no filter from the city attorney's office of like what's coming to us? Or it's like, hey, a complaint comes in, it's going to get on our agenda. So who's making that call? Or is that maybe a question for the city, for Madam City Clerk? Um, I would be happy to um, to address that, that I think we will need the city clerk to chime in. Um, uh, the city clerk's office is is the, the recipient and the the um, of, of the initial complaints. And obviously she her office informs us, our office, immediately upon receipt of such complaints. But um, as far as the mechanics and the administration of those complaints, um, that starts with the city clerk. Um, so to the extent that, that um, Ms. Weisinger has any thoughts on that, I, I would defer to her. I guess, um, you know, uh, upon receipt of the complaint, I uh, reached out to the complainant to see if the matter could be resolved off of, um, you know, outside, because that's the, you know, one of the steps and one of the possibilities. And I guess jurisdictionally, I, I wasn't, um, I was, I wasn't aware if there was any jurisdictional problems and wasn't informed of any and wasn't told not to put it on. So I, if that was my fault, I apologize. Okay. Um, oh, and to be, oh, uh, yeah, let me just ask this clarify. You, like no one told you there was any jurisdictional, um, problems with it. So who, who would make that call with the, is it the state attorney's office who would tell you, hey, you know, this is like past the day, or is that something that, you know, you would sort of look at, or is it, hey, we got a complaint, it, we're just on the, on the agenda. What, what What's that process? Was it just? So I would say if it was, um, you know, 15 days after a meeting had occurred, I would know that date and I would understand that date. And I would have, you know, been very clear on that and checked in with the attorney's office. But, um, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, looking for a date on this one since he hadn't received a response. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Commissioner Montgomery. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make a motion. This is a difficult motion. I don't even want to do this, but I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to make a motion to dismiss this part of the complaint based on jurisdictional grounds because of the timing. Okay, um, may I make a friendly amendment to that, Commissioner Montgomery? Um, you can say yes or no. I, I'm leaning that way too, but in our write-up, so maybe this is not part of motion, but you could hear it out. In our write-up, um, we sort of allude to what Chief Assistancy Attorney uh, told us is like informally, you know, we would put in a write-up that, that the 10 days was um not followed and that you know there was something there but we're we're acknowledging that that something went wrong she could also put in that the city attorney agrees that something went wrong and we could also say that you know that um there's some human error there were some systems you know um we have old systems in place and we we have a path to make this better would you take that as a friendly amendment to that but still you know can 
Can you make it shorter? It got a little <laughs> lost for me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say my friendly amendment is to go with your complaint dismissed on jurisdictional procedural grounds, and that we in that we informally address that a violation was occurred in regards to the ten days of let's see, um, no response. I'm good with that. Okay, I would, Commissioner LaPlato. This might be a, a friendly amendment to the friendly amendment <laughs> for your consideration, Commissioner Montgomery. Okay, yeah, put some legalese in it, please. <laughs> I'm your girl. Um, so I wonder if maybe uh, we can uh, dismiss on the basis as Commissioner Montgomery stated, including a factual finding that a violation did occur uh, based on the undisputed statements of the parties. Wow, that sounds way better than <laughs> what I said. So that we didn't spend a lot of time considering this, which we really did, but let's you know keep it tight. Um, and I would also offer as an additional friendly amendment that we include um, some type of recommendation for um, informal resolution of complaints regarding PRA requests to which no response was given in which the city consider automatically tolling the statute of limitations for PRA related complaints until the time at which an eventual response to the request is actually provided to the requester to ensure there's sufficient time for informal resolution. I'm sorry, I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing. Can't. That's fair. It <laughs> feels like the motion's becoming like a whole paragraph. I don't mind the friendly amendment amendments, my amendment, but we cut it without your last piece in there. So I, I, think, I think when you said, um, what was your line? Um, a factual, there was a, a factual missing. I think that's clear, concise, but then when you took it to the next level of, of a recommendation, I friendly amend to just scrap that piece. And I think we get to, to be nice and clear and concise for Commissioner Montgomery. I think that I'll, I'll, I'll accept that reasoning. I think the, um, we can save a recommendation for our implementation report if that's something that yeah, or we are could, more comfortable yeah, we with. Maybe not agenda items, but some somewhere else where we consider if we want to even add those extra days. Or not. I don't think we need to solve that problem at this time. I'm good with that friendly amendment and that other friendly amendment. Okay, I, I'm going to second that, Commissioner Montgomery. Okay, Madam Clerk, can we do a vote? Commissioners Chen. Aye. Low Palato. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. Reed. Aye. Chair Tilefs. Aye. Aye. That carries by five eyes. We, we heard you, Commissioner Chen. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, so the next piece, which is a little or oh, time out. Yes, Commissioner Montgomery. Would you like to take a recess? Yes, can I get like five minutes, please? 
I think this is a good time. It's it's a past the two hour mark. I think uh, a, a five minute recess is probably due to you know due to us all. Um, we set our brains for the next part. Yeah, uh, commissioners, are we okay with that? Okay, let's um, reconvene at nine ten.
Okay, welcome back. Okay, so I think we have part two of the complaint. Uh, so just to rehash a bit, this was um, in regards to the city saying they didn't have to produce the next door comments. Uh, bringing it up on my screen. There. Have it up. Mr. Montgomery, I see your uh, hand up. I think that could have been residual from a, okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, so Madam Clerk, I guess we got to reset our clocks on this. Sure, if you want to. Yeah, let's do that. It sort of guides it, but you know, um, Commissioner Lopalado was very willing to give me an extra minute. So, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll follow the courtesy again in this round, but I sort of like having them up there. It sort of does make you, Get to your point a little bit quicker. Okay, so I'll open up to the commissioner's um, motion discussion. Uh, Commissioner Montgomery. Okay, so the second part, as I'm reading, um, second, the city contends that the records are maintained by next door. This neither addresses nor negates the fact that an elect elected official is writing to constituents using this platform and those communications are subject to the CPRA. That's where we are, right? Yeah. That's the part we wanna attack right now. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty loaded in that, especially with you know all the um, information we heard from uh, Chief City Attorney John Lay as far, and you know that's why I really asked that question about you know what can the city produce as far as like the city's account versus a private account and all of that. And, you know, a big part of it too, is that the time the request was made, you know, I'll take in good faith that, hey, uh, the city is turning off, didn't know what the other part of the city was doing and having this account, but now that's been brought up as well. So there's a lot of moving pieces here. Um, I think I would like to address the this. Am I still on? I'm sorry. Is it still my yeah, turn? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just um, was responding to you. Commissioner Laplau had a hand up, but yeah, no, it was still on you and we could go to her next, but I just wanted to respond to your comment. I think I need more clarification on what exactly um, constitutes city 
city work as opposed to a personal statement made on any social platform. Um, because I, I think that's what we're, we're, we're dealing with here. It's not so much the records that were, were posted underneath the city post that the responses, the back and forth, um, but, but the other part of yeah, is a city council member members post any of their posts, any of their comments on social media, a, um, a part of city records is is that a part of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, valid question. I saw Commissioner Lopalato put her hand up. Um, I have some um, comments on that too, but I'll let Commissioner Lopalato go. Then I, I could share what I sort of am using to determine or my, you know, my thought process on this one as well. But I'll let Commissioner Lopalato go. Then, you know, I'll follow up from there. Thanks. So, um, I mean, technically, since this is a very legal aspect of what we're looking at, I'd love to hear from the Chief Assistant City Attorney on this, but I will just say in the city of San Jose case, which is cited by um, Mr. Lay, there is a section which states, it deals directly with you know, whether a writing is sufficiently related to public business will not always be clear. And then it enumerates several factors. Um, and Chief Assistant City Attorney, I don't know if you have that language handy or if you also think that's what should guide us here. I, I have it in front of me, I can read it if, if you don't want to. I, I do have the case in front of me, but I would I would um, start off with with the the general the general thought is that the law has not yet caught up with the the reported case law and statutes have not yet caught up with reality. Which in reality, um, when I say reality, I mean people use social media, and um, the city of San Jose case um, is is instructive, but it's not it's not precedent here in the sense of it doesn't address the, ca the case or the, the situation we have here, which is we are trying, you, I'm sorry, you are trying to, to grapple with this uh, very real issue of whether or not private social media, um, not public social media, that's that, that demarcation that Chair Telos is so aptly making, um, whether or not that private social media of a public official is a public record. And the law doesn't give you a lot of guidance. Um, I'm sure all of us have, all of you especially have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, and those are all valid um, 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 perspectives and such, but the law, which would be helpful for you all in the form of either a statute or a case of either an appellate court in California or the Supreme Court of California, those don't yet exist. And so the city of San Jose, the factors that it provides um, in evaluating whether or not um, certain communications constitute public records, those are could be helpful guides for you all. But the city of San Jose is really, it only addresses text messages and emails. Um, and it doesn't address private social media. So that's, that, is, that is its limitation. Um, so I'll just, I just want to caution all of you that you're, you're in uncharted territory. Um, or in the legal parlance, a case of first impression um, that that you all are grappling with, and um, so that those are sort of my my broad thoughts of just you're you're heading into uncharted territory legally, um, and so we could talk about the factors in San Jose, the San Jose case, but it is um, 
you're, you're not bound to to follow that case uh, because it does not it does not apply to private social media accounts of public officials. And it may very well be that in three, six, nine, 12 months from now, there will be a case or there will be a statute that addresses this squarely on point, but there isn't right now. Thank you for that. Um, I see the hands raised by Commissioner Montgomery and Commissioner Lopalato. Um First, let me just make this comment. You know, I don't really wanna, well, me personally, you know, Commissioner Lopalato, you're in the law field. So yeah, you use, use that background, but I'm sort of using my decision to just, I'm a commissioner, I'm not a lawyer, I'm here and sort of the, thought process I'm going through is like, well, what could the city have provided? And I'm looking at this back in April, you know, with that information said, it's like, they didn't know they had an account. They didn't know what they had access to. Then I'm also looking at it as like, hey, now in October, the city attorney's office knows they have an account. They know what skin posted there. They know that city officials are making postings on there and they could easily pull that information out without going to next door. And they said they would easily provide that. So that part, I'm like, you know what? Um, it should be provided. I'm sort of there. The other, the more legal, harder question is like, okay, there's some private accounts, like the chief assist, assistant city attorney said, this is unchartered stuff. I'm like, I'm not comfortable making that decision yet. I almost want to punt it. And if like, if I'm going to go complaint sustain with the cure and correct, I'm asking the city attorney's office, hey, or the city council, you guys got to give us some guidance on this. And maybe it's not there yet. And maybe it's not there next month, but in time, there's got to be something, but I don't, I'm not comfortable making that decision. Like, hey, should a private account do this or that? I'm not there. But as far as like the city's account, hey, I mean, it's there. It's out in the open, easily obtainable by the city. They don't have to go to a third party in this, boom, boom, and give it up. I'm, I'm all for that. So that's sort of what's, you know, my thought process. So Commissioner LaPlata. Thanks. Um... So a, a couple quick thoughts, which are totally deviating from the notes that I had on this. Um, one is, yes, I think this is definitely an emerging legal area and it probably would be improper for us to go, you know, running around tonight acting as if we're making, you know, precedent as to whether social media communications should always be disclosed or never be disclosed. Um, I do think that the language of the city of San Jose case is a bit more permissive as to what analysis we could undertake tonight. I think this, the case is really, it's, it's description of the issue and its statements all sort of allow for the possibility of it applying to other electronic platforms. And it, it specifically doesn't limit itself to the fact pattern of text messages and emails. Um, and I'm looking at page 616 in the official reporters, if anybody wants to look at that. However, Chair Tilos, I think your comments are well taken and something that dawned on me this evening during um, the presentations was that we may actually not need to go into that legal question because one thing that I do see 
in um, Mr. Lay's email of October 28th is a reference to a record being attached that may be responsive to the request. And that record is of course, the discovery of this council member's communications that are apparent on, um, on the city's official agency account. And so I think maybe a question we might want to bat around is whether that sort of implicit admission that that document is a record yeah. means that that record should have been produced before the complaint was filed. And I understand that the city hadn't discovered it at that point, but I'm also not sure that the city's mistake as to what it does and does not maintain in terms of social media accounts would mean there was no violation um, if in fact that is a record. So that's something I wanted to throw out there as a way to perhaps grapple with this issue without yeah. making okay. new case law here, which no, we no, get. No. Great, great point there. But then it brings you back to, you know, the first complaint as well. It's like, would the city have brought this finding out if there was a, a follow-up there? And, do, and in this decision, are we taking into consideration timing again as well? Because it is five months after, and as Chief's Assistancy Attorney pointed out, it's like, hey, do we want complaints from three years ago to just start coming through so what what is it you know i'd be more if it was only one month to two months a little more lenient again we'll talk at another meeting as far as like timelines but five months and no just quick check to say hey you know um i had this complaint it just sort of triggered everything five months later and i think it could have been triggered a lot sooner not to put blame on our complainant or anything but i just wish it would have happened, but you know, as stated by our complaint, you know, th things get busy and all this. So I'm taking that in consideration as well. A lot of moving pieces here, Commissioner Palata. That's a yeah. I mean, one thing we could do is is pose the question initially of do we think this particular claim is timely? And um, I, I would argue that it is. I don't think the statute of limitations was triggered until the requester with respect to a claim about the actual production, I don't think the statute of limitations could have been triggered until the requester is informed that, hey, either you're not gonna get documents or this is the scope it was gonna be. So I, I think this claim is timely, but if other commissioners um, have concerns about the timeliness of the complaint, whether we can consider the substance of this claim, we should, we should make a vote on that. Agreed. Yeah, Commissioner Montgomery and Chen, how you maybe we should, you know, take this one and really put it into some separate pieces as far as timeliness. Then we could get into the social media part. Then, you know, maybe we do one of those decisions where we have to do some informal <laughs> um, write ups as well. Commissioner Montgomery. Um, so. Timeliness, I, I, I am feeling the same as Commissioner Lopolato is that the clock doesn't start ticking on that day until there's an actual response. So he couldn't know, the complainant couldn't know that he didn't get what he wanted or what he requested until they responded to him. 
Um, so I'm 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 thinking that we we can hear it based on how how the time of that unfolded. Okay. Um, yeah, it looks, it looks like Commissioner Lopalala and Commissioner Montgomery, you both sort of agree on that. Can you just sort of explain to me what you're seeing as the difference in the clock between complaint two and complaint one? Because complaint one, you know, he didn't, I guess, know until five months later, until he filed the complaint. Okay, you're saying no. So yeah, explain that part to me, Commissioner Lopalala. I, I'm missing something here, and it's totally me. Absolutely, you know, it, and and I think that some of the the guidance that the commission received on this did sort of merge it together. Um, so, yeah. uh, I, I, and Commissioner Montgomery, chime in if if you want to add anything here. I think the what you really need to look at is when could the complainant have known that they had a claim? When could they have possibly become aware that they actually had a claim to bring? And with respect to claim number one, which was that the they city did not days. respond within 10 days, they knew okay. it day 11. Okay. With okay. respect to claim number two, which is, hey, the city's telling me that they don't have any public records to produce, and I think they do. He couldn't have possibly known that until the city told him, we don't have any that, records that, that, to produce. Okay. That's, that's my take on it. I'm not going to okay. say that that's no, the, no, 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 the law. <laughs> looks like Commissioner Montgomery. Okay, I could follow that path. So I think I'm on board with Commissioner Montgomery and Commissioner Loplato that timelessness is not a factor here and we should strike that off and get into the social media piece. Uh, Commissioner Chen, are, are you in agreement? You're still on mute, Commissioner Chen. He didn't know until October 19th when he received an email telling him that they didn't have the records. Got it. Okay, I think we're in agreement there. Commissioner Reed, you know, I haven't heard too much from you, but I figure I'd pose the question. Are we in, in agreement there? Okay, so she switched to mute. Okay, so there could be some kind of technical stuff happening there. But, um, okay, commissioners, Hello, I think. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Hey, welcome, Commissioner Reed. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I'm listening. I, I guess it's just hard to navigate um, the uh, mute button. Um, no, so I I agree with um, with all of you. The only the only question that I have um, relates to um, what would what would constitute um, the conduct of public business. So perhaps something. Um, that we should discuss. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll take first stab at that one. I'm, I'm almost delineating. It's like, hey, if the city has their own account, call it their account, their form, whatever, for blasting messages to whoever's a member saying the tube is closed and we have public officials commenting on that, I would think that would be public record. Um, yeah, that, that's how I'm seeing that piece of it. Now the gray line gets into this, you know, a city official's own account. Then they're talking on different forums and threads that are outside of the city's lane to say, now that part, I don't want to tackle. 
I, I, I really don't want to make that delineation. It's like Chief Assistant City Attorney said, this is groundbreaking stuff. I'm not a lawyer, not a judge, whatever. It's like, I, I need some guidance. Commissioner Montgomery. I'm kind of leaning toward viewing whatever happens on social media the same way that I would view it for us as commissioners. If, if one of you posted something about a city thing and that, that might come up even with us and I responded to, responded to it and then Commissioner Chan or you or Commissioner Reed responded to it and there's three of us, doesn't that constitute doing city business and having a meeting? So I'm, I'm it's, it's great. <clears throat> Listen to me on this one. Yeah, I, that just triggered a pretty cool thought. Let's say I said on um, Facebook or whatever, one of these sites and I, or tweets or whatever. I don't have that one either. Let's just say I wrote, I love Alameda. Commissioner Montgomery, you said, I do too. Commissioner Chen said, I do too. Commissioner LaPlato Reed, all five of us, we're all guilty now. Is that's that, not city business. That's not city business. That's just a, a, a personal okay, statement that we love Alameda. Okay, okay, okay. How about this one? I post on there because someone told me or I read next door that said the tube is closed tonight. That's city business on that, on the next door. If I post it, follow, follow me real quick, real quick, Commissioner Montgomery. I post that on, say, Facebook. Commissioner Loplato says, thank you. Commissioner Chen says, oh, great. I will not go that route. Commissioner Reed says, thank you. All of us, we're all guilty of talking. That is sort of city. Still business. not city business, though. It's That's think, still just information that you're passing personally. You're personally passing on okay. information that's happening as opposed to okay. let's talk about an issue that's coming up and an agenda, which then becomes city business okay i see um, i see it's going down a rabbit hole which i don't wait because so i'll make this quick statement i don't oh what yeah my time's up i'll make this quick statement because i think we could keep putting examples down what's city business what's not but then are we asking the city to bifurcate what a commissioner or a council member said is like hey this is city business it's not city business we're going to give you this piece this i, I don't want to go down that hole that's statement I'm trying to make. I don't want to say like your definition of city business versus my definition of city business, two different things, but I think we're both right. It's just difference of opinion. And that's the gray line. I don't want to, I don't want us as a commissioner or me as a commissioner making, Hey, this is city business. This is not, um, commissioner Lopalato. I have a lot to say. I'll defer to the chief assistant city attorney who has her hands up and might want to give us some guidance here. Uh, my only comments are, are uh, just to caution um, all of you commissioners to to address what is um, actually before you in in the complaint. And as I heard the presentations this evening, um, that that there the communication that um, uh, Mr. Shabazz put on the screen between him and Mr. Lay, at which that was at the point when Mr. Lay or the city had discovered that the agency next door account had some communications or comments from um, Councilwoman Herrera Spencer. 
at that point, my understanding from that back and forth is that um, Mr. Shabazz indicated that's not the information he was interested in. He was interested in, um, this is not how he phrased it, but I interpreted it as the private social media account um, of Councilwoman Herrera Spencer. So my understanding is that that's what you are being asked here tonight to, to decide whether or not the city in telling Mr. Shabazz, hey, if you want Councilwoman Herrera Spencer's personal uh, posts on her personal Nextdoor account, you need to go deal with Nextdoor. I think it's that decision by the city uh, attorney's office that Mr. Shabazz is, is indicating he feels is a violation of, of the Public Records Act. So I think I, my guidance to you all would be to focus on, on that decision, whether or not there is a requirement by the city to at that point go to next door or, or do something else. Um, what, what is the city supposed to do? And I think that, that we've, I've already sort of highlighted the fact that unfortunately you're not given a lot of legal guidance right now uh, because it's, um, it's an area that's, that's not well, um, um, well trod by the legal authorities, but I think it's that issue of whether or not was the city supposed to do something else um, in order to get hold of the private social media account of uh, council, the councilwoman. Okay, well, if you frame it like that, and that's the only part we're hitting that makes it a little, I won't say easier, but it makes it more concise. So thank you, Commissioner Lopalato. Um, thank you. I. I, I respect that, that sort of delineation and narrowing of the scope of the question. Um, if we do go in that direction, I think our findings should, should state that that was upon guidance from the Chief Assistant City Attorney. And the only reason I'm drawing that distinction is not to be difficult, but it's when I look at the request that was issued on April 21st says, I write to request to access to and a copy of all constituent correspondence to and from and comments by council member Trish Herrera Spencer using the next door social media platform. And then when we see the complaint, it's the city contends the records are maintained by next door. This neither addresses nor negates the fact that an elected official is writing to constituents using this platform. And the complainant believes those communications are subject to the CPRA. And so while I understand that there was some back and forth that happened after the complaint was filed. Um, one, we didn't actually see that correspondence in the hearing file, unfortunately. And so I'm, I'm feeling a little bit reluctant to narrow the scope of what we address to, to a statement that may or may not have been made about whether he was going after the person, you know, just looking at the text of what's before us. Yeah, yeah. It feels no. like the documents that were in play that might have been comments by council member Herrera Spencer, if they constituted a public record were, were what was being requested. And that is what, what I see and what was produced on the 28th, a comment by council member Herrera Spencer. And we can get into whether any of these constituted, you know, public business or not, but um, that's, that's just, I'm just, I'm wrestling with that. Yeah. So I'll throw that up. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, Commercial Plato for bringing that up because you know, that was one of the questions I had um, to our complainant was, what were they asking for? And he was very open. He just, he wasn't delineating between um, stuff that was on the account or stuff that was in a private account. 
He just wanted everything. And I think, you know, Chief Assistant City Attorney, if we don't, you know, sort of look at it that way, that we're sort of missing something. Um, May I? I, I saw Commissioner Chen put her hand up first, so maybe okay. she, she has to. something um, that to add to this that you could form your answer around, but I'll let Commissioner Chen, would you rather give your comment now or would you like um, to? I want to wait to hear from- uh, Perfect, okay, Chief Assistant City Attorney. Okay, yeah, and I, I, I very much appreciate Commissioner Lopalato's perspective because I, I'm here to provide guidance. I don't want to, to narrow all of your um, discussion artificially. So I, um, and I appreciate the fact that the, and, and I'm sorry as well that the um, further communications or the most recent communications between Mr. Lay and Mr. Shabazz were not part of either of their presentations. Um, that being said, there is communication in attachment two of the city's position. Um, this was the back and forth that Mr. Shabazz had with the city clerk um, um, after, he, after he filed his complaint. This is um, her attempt as she um, um, asked if there was any way of resolving it. And he says, uh, Mr. Shabazz says, for the second violation, the city attorney's office could produce the records. Considering there was another complaint earlier this year, which involved a Gmail related to the police reform and racial equity group, if the city can request records from the alphabet group Gmail, certainly the city could contact Nextdoor or the elected official using Nextdoor to communicate with constituents to produce these public records. Um, so I think I read that as he is saying, he is complaining about the fact that the city didn't take the next step either of um, contacting Nextdoor to get the records or contacting the elected official to, to get said records. So um, that's, that's my perspective. And that's, that's part of why I, um, my understanding is that Mr. Shabazz's um, um, complaint with the city um, really stems from what he views as a um, insufficient effort or attempt by the city to, to obtain these, these private social media records. But I, I will, be quiet now and let all of you continue discussing. Sorry. Mr. Chan, enlighten us, please. <laughs> I, I asked the um, Deputy City Attorney, um, John Lay, uh, if he had asked the custodian of the records and when. And he said he asked, uh, I'm assuming uh, Council Member Spencer, the day after they re he received the complaint in April. What? Yes, he, I, said, I, I, he said the request, not the complaint. Because oh, the, the request was in April. So that's the request. Thing. So he, Sorry. he so the thank you. So the 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 city attorney's office did ask directly for the custodian of the records to um, to compile them. And my question is. What does the city do with them? Do, do you vet them to make sure you're not um, taking things that are personal and not related to city business at all before you release them to the um, respondent? Because I, I, I'm assuming that's what all the redacted stuff is about, right? I'm, I'm asking uh, Chief 
assistant city attorney? Sure. Um, generally speaking, the the process of evaluating whether, and this is generally speaking, so if a, if um, if we obtain records from any um, city employee or, or city official, um, we do we do vet it to make sure that there is no personal information or things that are technically not part of the um, a public record. So what example might be if um, there's an email from a city official to their spouse saying, hey, I'm going to be late for dinner, be sure to, you know, turn on the crock pot or something that that is not city business. So that would be redacted or if there's, you know, personal um, you know, um, something about a, a minor or something like that. But generally speaking, then, so it does go through that, that vetting process, but then it would be disclosed, the balance of it. So then my question, which I asked before is, so if the city official, be it any one of us commissioners or city council members, does not produce any um, records, what happens? Um, well, we are, um, the, the general um, rule is that we, we as a city take the public official at their word, that if they say that I don't have any responsive documents to, um, to, the, uh, to this request, um, we, we take it as that is, we rely on that. And that is a permissible um, that, that is the way that um, the city is supposed to, to um, address um, requests for, for private, arguably private emails. But this again, this is, has to do with emails and texting. It hasn't, the law hasn't yet gone into social media. If I, if I had to bet on it, I would assume that probably the law will probably track very closely social media with um, texting and emailing. But what I'm describing has to do with the email texting world, but. So my assumption based on Mr. Lay's response was that there were no records produced. I think that's a safe assumption. That, that's what I assumed as well, listening to him. All right, and then uh, from the screenshot that Mr. Uh, Shabazz showed tonight, there was very obvious communication that looked like organizing around city issues. That's all I'm saying. That, so that, so if the screenshots were accurate and could be proven, um, it seems like the official did not present doc the documents that she should have presented or any documents. I, I, if that's in our purview here. Yeah, yeah I know, but I, I'm just. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think we're delineating a little. So, so Mr. The complainant was saying he wanted to see the communication, public communications, communications by public officials on public issues. And if the city can obtain my personal emails and my personal texts, because I'm a commissioner, um, what is posted on social media seems to be even more um, broad and you know I'm sure during this January 6 uh, investigation and I have to remind city clerk uh, Weisinger that I was sworn in on January 6 that uh, 
uh, a lot of social media will be used in the cases that are going right now. So, so there's this whole this whole field is is in the form of uh, it's it's formulating and and really um, you know exposing things that uh, look like are going to be public record for sure uh, into the future. I think just to, to quickly add to Commissioner Chen's comments there, um, you know, this that's definitely the direction that it seems things are going. There's AV 992, there's guidance that we're getting around, you know, what possible violations of open meetings laws based on blocking people on social media. I think Nextdoor specifically has a lot of problematic characteristics with respect to that. I don't think those questions are before us. However, I think they are very um, ripe for possible recommendations from this commission with respect to uh, the city giving guidance and training to city council members and commissioners and board members with a lens on open government issues. I think that's an area we could certainly explore, um, you know, if we were to make some kind of cure and correct recommendation that would be in the context of, of this complaint. Otherwise, I think there's, we've developed other ways that we could make those recommendations. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting though, Commissioner Chen, your uh, reference to the January 6th investigation. Um, I assume you're talking about the federal issue because I keep coming back to within the documents before us, and I, you know, I'm riffing on this tonight because this came up in the, the context of the, the presentation today, but as I look at attachment three and I look at the January 6th, 2021 communication, this is on page 26 of the city's respondent's position statement. There is a comment that was within the city's possession because it was on the city, it was a comment to the city agency's account in which the council member says, I filed a referral request for city council to vote to allow interim police chief Fenn provide an update, takes three votes from council to approve, is on the January 19th agenda item 9B. Please consider emailing council in advance and calling slash zooming in during the meeting to support. Thank you. That, that is January 6th, no relation to the federal investigation, but that strikes me as potentially being one of the comments that might have triggered the city to include this as a possible record, actual public record responsive to the complainant's request. And if that is the case, that record probably should have been produced prior to the complaint being filed or there's a violation here. Um, so that's where I'm, I'm kind of latching onto now so that we're not getting into this broader question of personal accounts and um, you know, making some kind of sweeping statements about that. Chief Assistant City Attorney, you can absolutely correct me if something about what I'm saying is just totally off the rails and not allowed here. But um, that strikes me as a sort of a, a concrete example of something that would meet um, the city of San Jose questions, <laughs> the factors regarding when writings are kept in personal accounts, when it could um, possibly be a public record, but I don't even, we even need to go there because this is something that the city had access to on their account, which was a public record. Um, so I'll, I'll throw that out there. Yeah, so if I understand, um... You're, you're, and I'm looking exactly at the comment that that um, that you're reading from. So if I'm understanding right, um, your rationale for finding a violation would be based on the fact that this particular um, this particular um, record 
was not produced at the time that he uh, Mr. Shabazz filed his complaint. Is that right? That's that's what I'm seeing now, and I think um, I think there's there's a lot that we should also consider and say about the city did take a lot of steps. The city did, I think, in a lot of ways, do everything it could with respect to the personal account, given that we're functioning on an honor system, and that's probably the way it has to be. Um, but with respect to this particular communication that the city did have in its possession, um, that seems like a viable basis on which to say that there was in fact a violation. I, I think um, um, th those are questions for you all to to decide, not for me to not for me to decide clearly. But um, I, I again would bring back um, that. Unfortunately, screenshot of or the the share share screen from earlier this evening, the back and forth between Mr. Lay and and um, Mr. Shabazz, in which I understood from that back and forth that this the agency the postings by the councilwoman on the agency account were not that was not responsive to his requests. That was that was my understanding of the presentation from the parties this evening. And, um, but it's, it's your, your, the commissioner's interpretation um, and determination on that fact. But I, I do, I think that's a relevant fact for you all to decide. And also I think um, as part of that decision, whichever decision you make on that fact, um, I think you have all grappled with this idea of in addition to that, was there anything else that the city was supposed to do as as per the personal social media account. Um, I think Commissioner Lopalato, you just mentioned what your perspective was, but I would encourage you all to, to include that in whatever statement of the decision, because I think that is, that's my understanding of what Mr. Shabazz, the gist of his complaint was, so. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> This one clearly isn't black and white because I think all of us commissioners sort of interpret things a little differently. Um, and even you, uh, Chief City Attorney, I think you you know your interpretation of the facts before us, as far as you know what was given to us and what was presented to us, is a little different than how each of us is uh, interpreting it as well. Um, that being said, commissioners, which way? Uh, are we sort of leaning or is there maybe something that we could discuss that would trigger us to lean a certain way? Um, you know, I try to look at the lens that the chief's assistancy attorney has put to us and that would make it pretty black and white for me. But then when I look at the lens that, you know, that I sort of had from, you know, the questions I had to, um, our complainant and, you know, the lens that Commissioner Lopalato has us look through, then it's not really black and white for me. So um, maybe commissioners, you could sort of give a little input of what, you know, what lens you're looking through and maybe we could come to some type of consensus. Commissioner Montgomery. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning toward sustaining this one that I, I don't feel like he got the documents that were available 
for him, maybe with some kind of recommendation, cure and correct. I'm not sure exactly, but I don't know. I'm leaning toward this on this one. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sort of there to my cure and correct would be something in lines of we need more guidance on this, on how to interpret between private and city accounts. Um, Chief Assistant Attorney, does that sound like something feasible? As far, um, as, I, I, as far as the cure and correct, because usually the cure and correct is, hey, let's send this. It's not like, it's a little different than the, the usual cure and correct where you could just send it back to council. It's like, hey, you guys should have made this public or something. This is, So it's not a council meeting where we kick it back to, but is it cure and correct to the council and say, hey, we need some guidance. Um, I, yeah, I'm sort of lost on, you know, what we're trying to cure and correct here too. Yeah, I think it, um... I think it would really depend on on what specific what specific violation you find, and I I continue to see there being two um, two different issues that um, or potential violations you all you all are dealing with or grappling with. One is whether or not the the agency posts what I'm going to call it is uh, if it was timely produced. Um, and then the second, whether or not the city did what it was supposed to do in order to um, track down and obtain additional private next door posts. I think the cure and correct would be different for each of those. I think that the, the latter um, additional guidance would be helpful. I'm not sure if the, the city council will be able to manufacture it. Like I said, the law, you know, the overall state law hasn't quite caught up with it, but it certainly doesn't mean that you all can't request it because I think <laughs> I think it is something that um, would would be very valuable. I just don't know if you'll there'll be uh, it might be difficult to manufacture that, but I think it's fair. But as for the first part, the the um, a cure and correct for getting um, agency posting, I think that's a little probably easier to 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 fashion. Yeah, commercial applauder. I like that delineation between whether there was a violation with respect to the public account versus the private account. Um, and I think I'm prepared to make a motion to with, with recommendations to possibly move us along, but I do have one sort of clarifying a question for the chief assistant city attorney, um, which I think was actually stemming off of a comment that was raised by a speaker. And my question is, when we say that the city did all that it could do to respond to this request with respect to the personal account, does that reference to the city encompass this individual council member who is in fact an agent of the city? And I'll leave it at that. Like, is, is there a way to parse that? Because I think what we're seeing here is the city took steps to request items from an individual and the individual did not respond, um, is, is at least what we're left to infer from Mr. Lay's statement of uncertainty as to whether there was a response. So. If that's the case, and that individual is encompassed within saying the city did everything, I wouldn't be comfortable saying the city did everything. But so, so does the city include the individual agent? 
I mean, I think that that's a difficult question to, um, neither party briefed that, that question. So that's, that's really, um, I don't have the perspective of either party on that. And um, I don't think I, I, um, the complaint also didn't address um, a, a violation on behalf of the councilwoman and addressed a, the complaint on behalf of the city. So the city, um, you know, as, as per the complaint that the city didn't do what it was supposed to do vis-a-vis -vis the CPRA or the Sunshine Ordinance. So um, I, 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 I don't have a clear answer. I think it's a, it's a good question. I, I unfortunately don't have a great answer for that because I just don't, I don't think it's in front of you all right now that the, the complaint was made against the city. Um, and if you're trying to parse out whether or not the city encompasses the um, city officials, yes, it does, but that's all part of the city. If you're trying to make a, um, I, I interpret your comment or your question as whether or not there could be a separate complaint against um, a public official, I, that's not in front of us right now. And I, I, would, yeah. I would be reluctant to say, that 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 can happen yeah and, I, and i'm not i'm not okay. looking to go in that direction so much as i'm i'm hoping that we're very clear in our decision statement um if we were to go in a direction of say of stating that the city did all that they could do that that perhaps there's a need to delineate the city the city staff did all that they could do with respect to producing records given that no records were provided to them by the individual that would be just, a, I think, a clarification that would be important so as not to necessarily endorse the act of not responding to the city's request uh, to provide personal account information. Yeah, it sort of brings us back to a year ago where it's like where we said something's null and void, but we don't have the teeth to uh, enforce it. And this is like, hey, well, the city attorney asked a public official to produce something, but they don't have any real teeth to enforce it because it's, hey, if they say they don't have anything, then it's permissible to go on to the next subject. So it's one of those gray area things over there. Um, yeah, and this one's, this one's tough, but um, I'm curious to see what your uh, motion would be, Commissioner Lopalato, and Maybe if you appease us, we might have friendly amendments to it. But I think that'd probably be a good starting ground if we get a motion out there and, you know, really tackle that point of, you know, did the city do what they were supposed to do in regards to the public account versus the private account? Then maybe we even split it there more to, with so, so I'm very curious, Commissioner Laplato, what, what you're thinking. Thank you. Um, and this is all kind of coming together, so forgive me if it's inarticulate, but um, I will make a motion that we um, sustain the complaint on the basis that there was a violation in that the city was the custodian of an agency next door account, which contained comments by a council member using the Nextdoor social media platform, which were responsive to the PRA request that were not produced prior to the complaint being issued. And then I would add to that something to the effect of 
the commission makes no findings with respect to whether there was a violation of a private account of uh, the Public Records Act with respect to producing records from a council member's personal account on the basis that with the evidence presented, the city took steps to obtain the records, but ultimately no analysis was able to be conducted as to whether there were any public records. That could probably be wordsmith, but that's sort yeah, of- Yeah, 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 I, I can lean towards there. Um, of course, Commissioner Montgomery would say, hey, let's make it more concise, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm feeling the, the message. I'll, I'll just add to that. The reason that it's not concise in these instances is that we have to write our written statement of decision, which should include all the bases for, um, for why we found the way that we did. So I, I'm throwing that out there. We can make a more a tighter motion for sure. I appreciate that feedback. Um, yeah. I do think that we need to give the chief assistant city attorney sufficient sort of bases for the decision to um, and, and to show that we're all in consensus on that. Or yeah, that a majority. Real... Agreed. I just want the motion to be shorter and then we can do the rest because I got lost for a second. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I like the part that we're not touching the private account piece and you're pointing that one out because, yeah, that's something I don't want to talk about. So a, a shorter version could be, I'll move that we sustain the complaint on the basis of a violation in that the city failed to produce records from an agency next door account. Okay. As far as the complaint being sustained, are we doing the cure and correct? Or are we gonna do it without? I, I have a lot of, um, I mean, I think we can address recommendations to, to both issues, but that might be, I don't know that, Maybe let's yeah, see if we have consensus I'll, 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 on sustain yeah, to begin with and then decide yeah, think, whether Kieran correct. Yeah, I don't mind just having it, as you said, and without a Kieran correct. And as far as we get more guidance and stuff, then we could go down that route. I actually think there's a very specific Kieran correct we could issue with respect to, to, this, um, to this finding. Um, but I, I don't know that we need to go there until we're sure everybody's aligned on that finding because I kind okay. of. Um, Commissioner. Going Second. Okay. Um, Madam Clerk, we do a vote. Commissioner Chen. Yes. Lo Pilato. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. Reed. Aye. Chertilos. Aye. That carries by five eyes. Okay. Let's see. So are we... Uh, Regular agenda items. I know it's oh, kind of, okay. Just point of order. I think so we need to give the chief assistant city attorney some meat to put uh, on the phones for a decision and then also address whether there's a, a cure and correct, correct. on an issue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Details. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's do it. Um, one aspect that I would love to include in that finding to be really clear that our scope is is narrow and that we're not manufacturing case law um, would be to refer to, um, I would like us to make reference or at least a finding of fact related to the fact that the city attorney's office referred to those comments as a record. 
that 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 a record was produced on October 28th. Um, that that's significant to me in terms of uh, us being able to rely on that as opposed to our commission making you know independent findings of law as to whether anything was a record or not. Um, so I, I mean, maybe folks shake your head no if you really disagree with that. <laughs> No, no, no disagreement. So I guess a yes, not. And then the, the quick recommendation I would add in um, with respect to this particular finding is, I think um, we could do it without a cure and correct. I think that's fine. Another option might be for um, to recommend that the city, you know, consider maintaining an index that's accessible to the city attorney's office and the city clerk's office of all social media accounts maintained as official communication channels of the city that would have solved this problem in which there was yeah. really no awareness oh, of it. Yeah. Someone not knowing about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think there was also um, some references in the city's brief to uh, whether comments were enabled or disabled on the city account. I don't know if comments can be disabled, but one recommendation we may want to make is that the city evaluate whether comments should be disabled on the city's agency posts on Nextdoor to decrease the likelihood of a Brown Act violation on a platform which appears to not be that carefully monitored by the city. Um, we could take or leave either of those recommendations. I just wanted to throw those out there as two ideas that relate to the specific finding here. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree with um, the first one is having that index this way every city department knows what the other city departments have. Yeah, we could easily look in because, you know, that's sort of a big oversight to say, hey, we actually have a next door account and to not know, especially, you know, in, in these times, that'd be a good um, recommendation. Uh, this will be the last thing I say. So um, with that, I think maybe we would just offer up recommendation number one to be included with the decision, if folks agree with that. Um, I think separately, we should consider making a lot of, not a lot, but some very specific recommendations regarding the types of practical training that might be useful for council members and commissioners and board members. Um, I think we can do that through the vehicle of the implementation report. We don't necessarily need to address all of it in this decision, but I wanna raise it while we're on the agenda topic that that is an action I think the commission should, should take um, to, to really address the issues in this complaint. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm for looking at that more, but not putting that in at this point. Commissioner Montgomery. Quick question, um, somewhere in the complaint, is there the complainant's recommendation for cure and correct? It, does anybody know, does anybody remember seeing that? I yeah, I, I think you had a whole bunch of um, recommendations. <laughs> yeah, there was quite a few. Can you point me at a, at a page number? I, I, you, I, I'm looking and I can't find the, where on, that on, is. On the PDF? Is that what you're looking at? Yeah. Let me uh, do some scrolling over here.
I mean, if anybody can seize it right off the top, I, I, I just yeah, can't I find it. I know it's I, here. I remember, yeah, no, I remember reading it about recommendations. Yeah, this thing's like 71 pages, so. It's on page 14 of exhibit two. Exhibit two. October 26, 2021 email. Uh, attachment two? Uh, perhaps attachment two. To the, I'm looking at the meeting agenda for 3A. Exhibit two is the respondent statement. If you just open up that oh, PDF, the agenda? page okay, 14. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the PDF. Okay, let me get back to that guy. Where is it there? I'm sorry, I'm there, but I can't, Where? what page? Yeah, so it's um, in exhibit two, which is the respondent's position statement. It's on page 14. And in this email chain, I'm seeing in the October 26, 2021 reply from the complainant to the city clerk um, in which she asked, you know, is there any way we can resolve? It looks like he offered some suggestions, one of which is perhaps the CAO could develop a policy on how writings or public records of elected officials would be archived. Did you address those things? I'm sorry. Um, I think we did, did, did we address any of these? I mean, these specific things in our in our statement, or are we not going to? I'm I'm a little confused on this part. Uh, I, I I sort of liked it how we had it. I, I want to open it up for more. Commissioner Laplata. I think the, um, given the desire to, it sounds that I'm perceiving to, to limit our recommendations um, regarding, you know, training and policies to sort of be in a follow-up type report. Um, I think that might be the place to, to revisit this and we should, we should put a, put a bookmark on it and to, to think about the complainant suggestions. Um, yeah, I think process. I'm sort of leaning that way to Commissioner Montgomery to like let's tackle that on when we you know we could take input from our complainant and I'm sure you know we might get letters from the public as well on suggestions as and if we do have this as a agenda item I'm sure you know public speakers could give us some other guidance as well. Mr. Chan. The subcommittee on recommendations, we were gonna fix up that report uh, for either January or February, since we usually don't even have a meeting in January. So maybe we can fold these ideas that we're getting now into that. Into February? That works for me. 
because we're, we're supposed to provide the city council with a report on how we can improve <laughs> our operations and, and what we need from the city council to uh, help us navigate uh, all of this new territory. Uh, let's see, uh, Commissioner Laplata. Just a, a final thought in case we're about to move on. Um, in our finding for claim number one, um, did we include I, I, a, a statement regarding, um, I think we should include some kind of positive statement about the, the likelihood that sort of communication errors uh, will be resolved by the presence of the next request system. I think that was said. I don't know if we talked about with respect to claim number one regarding the, the failure to timely produce. Um, I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, if there's space for that, I think we should yeah, give a, a, a positive that, yeah, affirmation yeah, that, that, that system you know, is the Improvements are being made. Yeah. Chief Assistant City Attorney, did we give you enough enough to work with? Well, was there I, I was there going to be a, a vote on any of the recommendations, or was um, I mean, was there consensus? I, I I'll leave I'll leave it to the city clerk if there needs to be a vote. But was there consensus on on those recommendations? I'm, uh, Commissioner Montgomery. Can we hear a quick run through of them again? Sure. From from me or from the chief assistant city attorney taking notes on it? Whoever. <laughs> yeah, chief assistant. <laughs> Whoever was wanted, taking the notes that you wrote with your yeah, you you said your wonderful like, words. Go through number one should be pretty quick. I don't think we have too many recommendations there. I think for, for number, for your first, your- Yeah, for the first one, yeah. I think, you know, we had a recommendation then we had something about, you know, we're trending up, we're getting better at doing this with the, the new system. Right. Actually, the only, I, I, I didn't, in my notes, I didn't have any recommendations being part of the first finding. It was okay. just that, that, that there needed to be a reference to the fact that there was a factual finding that a violation had occurred, but it was time barred because okay. the 15 days had run. So was there something else that I missed? I wanna make, make sure that what I provide to you in the statement of decision, we won't have to go back and forth on it too much. I don't wanna waste yeah, your time. I wanna say that you, we said something about that we are aware that you know the 10 days, um, there was a, that, um, yes, the, the, factual, yeah, a factual finding that a violation of the 10 day. Um, yeah. yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm sorry. I was short, shorthanding that, but yes, okay. I, I okay. got that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's the main point we want to make that, you know, that we're in agreement as a commission on that part and the chief city attorney's office agreed as well. And we wanted to show some positive um, happenings to help correct that. Commissioner Plata. We talked about um, 
the prospect of a recommendation related to the city potentially considering automatically tolling the statute of limitations, but I believe I we, we, we plan to table out. that, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, we, yeah, that wasn't part of it. Okay, I think we're good on number one. Um, number two, yeah, we have- I'm sorry, more. I just wanna be super clear. Are you adding something about the next request piece to that as uh, Commissioner Lopalato just brought up or are you passing on that? Cause I think that's what we so, were yeah, looking yeah, for because no, it wasn't voted on, but to the first one, did you, you, uh, you wanted to add something about? Yeah, just to say that, hey, that we have this in place. So errors like this won't happen. Okay, so that's just direction by consensus because nobody's objecting then, right? Is that yeah. what's going on? Okay. Yes. The messy process writing decisions on the fly in a verbal forum like this. Um, thank you both city clerk and chief assistant city attorney for your patience with us. And then I think what I had for the second one, the post motion discussion really was just consider uh, creating a list of accounts was the yeah. main piece that I got from that one. And nobody seemed to object to that. So that would be the, yeah. for the, the number two, the list of accounts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the list of social media accounts, that's, that's the, um, the recommendation that go that that um, is paired with that second decision. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and, and just to be clear about that, it's not like passwords or anything like that. It's just an index of what are the channels of yes. communication the city is using in social media. Yes. Got it. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, Chief Assistant City Attorney, do you have enough? I think I have enough. Yes. Okay. And I have a video. So that is also okay. always okay. helpful. There you go. You're good. Three hour, 20 minute video, right? Okay. Um, Madam Clerk, I know we uh, always forget if it's at the 1030 mark or the 10 o'clock mark. When do we got to do some type of vote to go on. Yes, thank you. It's at 1030. And that would be if you wanted to consider any new items after 1030. So you could call the minutes and then you know, not take a 1030 vote if you didn't want to consider the 4B or, um, you know, you could take that that vote uh, if you wanted to. Um, look, commissioners, can we just do the 4A then? I, I hate pushing things to the next meeting, but it's 1022. Maybe we just push 4B to the next one. So can we do 4A really quick before our 1030 mark? Okay, I'm not seeing a no. I saw yet. I saw a head from Commissioner Chen saying okay and a smile. Um, and Commissioner Reed has her hand up. Oh, Commissioner Reed. You're still on mute. Okay, there you go. Hi, I'm happy to pull for B if um, if that's okay with everyone. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Let's crank out for A, the minutes of the November 1st, 2021 meeting. Um, Clerk, do we have any speakers on this subject? Uh, Michael Devine. Michael Devine, speaking on the minutes. Welcome. Hi. Uh, I'm not sure if actually this belongs on the minutes or public comment after, but it's urgent relative to the prior hearing we just had. Um, so, right, now, right now we're discussing the minutes of last meeting. Okay, are we still going to do public comment? 
let, let me check. Yes, there is, there is another section of public comment, but just so you know, public comment is limited to non-agenda items. So the previous item was an agenda item, so it was already addressed. Well, so. that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll word it differently then. It's a general issue. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, you'll, we'll give you that time. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yes. Okay. So any other speakers on minutes? No, there are none. Okay. Um, commissioners, we have any comments on the minutes from the last meeting? Okay, can, can we have a motion to approve them, please? Motion to approve the minutes from last meeting. Thank you. Can I have a second, Commissioner Chen? Second. Okay, Madam Clerk, can we have a vote, please? Commissioner Chen. You're muted, but... Was that an eye? <laughs> Low Palato. Aye. Montgomery. Aye. Reed. Aye. Chair Telos. Aye. That carries by five eyes. Okay, so we took off four B. Um, section five. Do we have any staff updates? Okay, I'm not seeing anything there. Okay. I can quickly just put a plug in as a reminder for, for both uh, the chief assistant city attorney and myself. You guys, next week, Wednesday, is the Sunshine Ordinance training. So um, I think everybody received the appointment and we will hopefully have a very good training. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I, I was looking for what time it was. So I'm glad you chimed in, City Clerk. Yeah, we're going to try to get this in before 10 30 and also take our um, speaker. Okay. Commission agenda request, none. Okay. Commissioner communications, please say none. Thank you guys. Okay, let's uh bring on our speaker. I'm sorry you had to wait till 1026. Michael Devine. Uh, hi, thank you for your time. Uh, something very troubling happened during uh, Rashid Shabazz's hearing tonight. Before I tell you what happened, let me give you an analogous hypothetical. My name is Michael Devine. If while I was speaking, a participant in the hearing had tweeted a picture of Devine, the famous transvestite from John Waters films, that would be profoundly homophobic, transphobic, anti-LGBTQ, bigoted, harassing, and would have amounted to cyberbullying. We all know that making fun of someone's ethnic sounding name is bigotry. You may have heard at some point in your life, the anti-Semitic joke blaming the Jews for sinking the Titanic. The punchline being Iceberg, Goldberg, same thing. It's anti-Semitic, it's bigoted. Well, at 8.30 p.m. tonight, one of the gallery participants in this hearing, Lauren Doe, while Jay Garfinkel was speaking to commissioners, tweeted a picture of Art Garfunkel. This is nothing other than anti-Semitic bigotry. Where this gets serious is that Rashid Shabazz, while Jay Garfinkel was still speaking tonight, clicked the love button on that tweet. In other words, during his hearing, Rashid Shabazz was participating in social media anti-Semitic ridicule of a speaker before this commission. What makes Shabazz's actions even more egregious is that he has repeatedly done this and been informed of how anti-Semitic and offensive this behavior is. The first time he did this was while he was sitting as co-chair of this very commission during an OGC meeting when he tweeted a clumsy looking picture of Art Garfunkel while Jay Garfinkel was speaking to the commission. 
This really happened. Commissioners can ask the city attorney about the associated complaints for the details and consequences. It's worth noting that Shabazz has also repeatedly retweeted content that the Anti-Defamation League has deemed anti-Semitic. Had the commission known this behavior was happening concurrent to Shabazz's presence before tonight's hearing, I hope you would have immediately dismissed him and his complaint for contempt. If you can, please consider reversing any rulings here and completely dismissing his complaint. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We have another speaker. Anonymous. Oh, this is the one who we couldn't get earlier, right? Yes, but yes. he managed to call in and hopefully it looks like he can unmute now. So okay. welcome. Uh-oh, they went on mute. Off mute. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> All right. Sorry oh, for yeah. the technical difficulty earlier because I think you actually had a chance to speak at like seven o'clock. Yes, uh, so uh, yes, this is the same anonymous who attempted to speak then. Um, and I guess since I'm only about to speak on items not on the agenda, you have pulled item 4B. I wanted to uh, thank Commissioner Reed who approached me some while ago. I do a lot of sunshine work in San Francisco. And one of the, uh, uh, one of the attempts I was making was to streamline the process for bringing complaints in San Francisco. And uh, I think you have a, or will someday have a draft of a complaint procedure or form before you that might make it easier for people to identify the different ways in which a government agency can violate the Public Records Act or your local sunshine ordinance. And I do hope you take, uh, uh, take that on sometime. Um, I know there's a lot of differences in the, the, the breadth of the Alameda sunshine ordinance versus the San Francisco sunshine ordinance. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, at least to me, the purpose of an open government commission is to protect the public's rights uh, to public access to meetings and information. And uh, whenever a person has a legitimate complaint to bring, uh, they should be able to do so even if they don't have an intricate understanding of the law, because there is a clear power differential between the city, which has a bunch of attorneys uh, who can do that work for it, versus most members of the public who would not be represented by an attorney. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. I think that is it. It's 1030 on the dot. So I don't think we have to take a vote to take more things. So I'm going to adjourn this meeting. And thank you all. Happy holidays. <laughs>